What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. We'll have a little bit more about them uh, as we get into this podcast, but I want to bring on uh, my co-host, John LaRocca. What's going on? Not much, man. I'm battling a little chest cold, so if I start coughing, I apologize. been dealing with the last, like, four days, and... I think I'm in the tail end, but wait, did the kids get sick? Uh, so far so good. No, you know, I think I might've got it from, I think my, I think Katrina said she had it a little bit and I don't, I don't know. I just, I hope not. I hope they don't get it at all. So, but yeah, but it's been, you know, the lingering cough. So I hope I'm just not coughing to the lots of show. All right, so we're going to talk uh, in our intro here. We're going to talk a little bit about about something John wrote this week that we have published on uh, FightGameMedia.com. I'm going to bring on Josh Nason, who is the contributing editor at F4WOnline slash WrestlingObserver.com. We're going to talk a little bit of earnings call, WWE earnings call, um, UFC 246 streaming news, and, and then the UFC 247 call, uh, card. And then um, John and I will talk a little bit about this, uh, what came out of that of that earnings call about the future of the WWE Network. We'll talk about our Wednesday night thoughts from uh, both wrestling shows. And then we will end with the Ric Flair, Tatsumi Fujinami Super Brawl match. We'll talk about that match in detail and a little bit about that card because it was one that I was kind of I was kind of having a little bit of fun clicking through it. I didn't watch everything. There's like 13 matches on that show. You didn't watch Big Josh versus Black Bart? I mean, I skimmed through it. I saw the, <laughs> I saw a lot of it, but it was just like, man, 13 matches. And it's just not like the show was super long. It was like two hours and 40 minutes. Um, but lots of, lots of matches on there. It was almost like uh, I felt some of those matches would have been better suited for uh, the Saturday show, but mm-hmm. they, uh, they decided to put them on pay-per-view. But we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. So first... Let's lead off with uh, your piece on Keith Lee. What was the uh, what was the thought and like kind of the feeling behind writing about Keith and where what they could do with him come WrestleMania time? Well, you know, with, with WrestleMania, you know, a few months away, I was just thinking about NXT's involvement. You know, of course, we're gonna get Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte, and we're gonna get. I assume we're gonna get a. Um, NXT championship match with you know Adam Cole, Finn Balor. My my early guess it might be a four way with Tommaso if he's ready by then, or um, you know Gargano, Balor to get them all on the card, and Cole get them all on the card. And I was just thinking about Keith Lee and 
where he fits and everything. And I was thinking, like, you don't want to add, like, another match just for him. Just because, you know, that show's already, like, what, 12 hours long, wherever it is, right? <laughs> so I just thought, like, you know, you know, put him in the Andre Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which, you know, is maybe not the most prestigious match, but it's also not, like, I, mean, I think everyone kind of watches the Battle Royal, right? They kind of have interest in that. And I think, you know, you can use that to, you know, give him a big win, give him that trophy. And then, then I got a little creative with, you know, my mind, my booking mind. And I just, you know, kind of booked something out of it. I thought it would work for their TV show. And uh, it was a lot of fun to write. So um, I hope everyone checks it out on fightgamemedia.com and, and give me your thoughts and let me know what you think. So you mentioned uh, very early in the piece that you think that there's going to be some NXT matches or at least uh, two, if we count Rhea Ripley and Charlotte, uh, on WrestleMania. And they did have some on Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. So what what is behind the thought of a, of a four-way? Just you, you think that's what, where, where they're leading to or? Um, well, I just figured if we're going to have the women's title, you're going to have the men's title. And I was thinking, like, what what that match would be. And, you know, WrestleMania, big payday. You want to give guys opportunities. And I think, like, a, you know, a four-way would get, you know, you know, Cole and Balor and, and Gargano and Ciampa, like, in that match. So I was just thinking that way. You know, like, how to, what kind of match would, you know, you could put multiple guys in and, and multiple exposure on guys instead of just, like, a singles match. But, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, so yeah, definitely check that out. It's a it's a very uh, it, it's I liked it because it is a not you know a lot of times when they debut guys it is in this very flashy uh, flashy way where they have to you know get a quick win or something. But this is a little bit of like a slower kind of build. Like even though he de- you know even though he shows up at WrestleMania, he still goes back to NXT and does a couple of things. So it was it, it was good, and uh, I hope uh, people check it out and maybe we'll get more stuff as you watch the uh, the build to WrestleMania. More things will kind of come to your mind that you'll want to jot down. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people, like, they say, we, you know, Keith Lee should be up now, and he should be on the main roster now, and, you know, they still have, you know, they have to, you know, they have the NXT show they have to, you know, you know, build an audience for, and they need their players. They can't just bring up all their, you know, guys up right now. So I think Keith Lee's good. Like, in 2020, I think he's going to be NXT. I think 2021's good for him from WWE. Um, and I think, you know, this is a way to give him some more exposure, on the biggest show of the year um, to hopefully get more eyeballs on the NXT show on Wednesday. And um, I hope, you know, you guys got like my, like my book an idea. And like I said, I'll literally hear feedback on it. All right. So uh, let's take this opportunity to, um, to go to the interview that I did earlier today with Josh Nason. His, his family is also sick, John, by the way. Well, hopefully your family's not sick and it's just you, but his family was also sick. So we, we, we kidded about that a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so we will talk to Josh and then we will come back and uh, kind of wrap that up and then move on. So let's uh, talk to Josh now. All right, now we're bringing on Josh Nason, contributing editor at F4W Online wrestlingobserver.com. Josh, what is going on? 
Well, let's see, my man. Uh, I have a house, <laughs> house full of sick kids, or is a, oh, a no. sick kid and a sick wife. My daughter is my three year old has been coughing for a week and a half, so that's been pretty awesome. So I've been, I've been lucky, kind of just you know, try running from the devil, trying to avoid this, and so far so good. But it's, yeah, it's been kind of one of those uh, one of those couple of weeks. But overall, things are good. Things are good. You know what? What's this is sick kids and sick wife is not funny, but I can sort of look at it in hindsight because mm-hmm. my kids are older. They're both in college, but I can remember the days of them being in daycare or being in school all day long and just basically coming home sick constantly. And at some point, when you're a parent, your immune system becomes their like like it adapts to all the things that they are introduced to and you become super resilient at some point and but then my kids grew up I I wasn't around young kids anymore until I met uh my girlfriend who is now my fiance and she's got three young kids and I'm telling her like ah I never get sick don't worry about me uh like this is just not gonna happen and it's like I got hit with the just a swarm of of little viruses, and I was knocked out for a few days. Actually, actually, um, they, I didn't have strep, but but I, I was probably kind of on, on the on the ledge there. But man, like you know, when when you have young kids or you're around young kids, your immune system beefs up kind of because it has to. So I'm sure. I'm sure uh, that that's going on at, at your house. Well, I also have the the added benefit of my wife being a teacher. So I've oh, been, there you go. So I've known her. I think we know each other eight years. This actually eight years. Next week, I believe. And so you I better been, get that date right. <laughs> well, our first date was two days. So we met on the tenth because our first. Oh, sorry. Our first date was on the sixteenth because it was two days after uh, Valentine's Day. We met that prior. Friday, whatever it was. So yeah, it's actually in a couple of days. We've known each other like seven years, seven, eight years, I think. And so anyway, so we've, uh, so I've had the, the, the benefit of she's a germaphobe, but I have all those germs from her coming back <laughs> and all this stuff. So I pretty much feel invincible most days, even though she, she gets mad at me cause I don't, I, cause knock on wood, I don't really get sick at all. So, yeah. um, once, yeah. once a year, that's about it for 24 hours. I shame myself into getting better, just like Vince McMahon would. And then, uh, <laughs> then I move on, you know? Well, we aren't just going to be talking about kids uh, here. We are going to be talking about mostly UFC stuff, but I wanted to uh, actually talk about the WWE earnings call that happened today because I know that you were on it, you were listening to it, and you were tweeting out um, on the uh, on the Twitter account for the website, and also you you know you wrote up a couple of stories. So I think the the fascinating there's tons of fascinating things, and we could probably talk about the earnings call for an hour, but there's one little piece of information that I think you caught and a, a lot of people are talking about, which is Vince's uh, comment about possibly selling their content to another provider. And mm-hmm. right now, today, all of the content goes through the WWE Network. You're talking about pay-per-views, you're talking about NXT takeovers. All of that is, you know, they've, they hit us over the head with nine ninety nine for these last five years. And that comment, I think, made a lot of fans realize today that... Hey, you know, this 999 WWE network is not like a deal that's in perpetuity. Like this is not this is possibly not going to last forever, but he actually did make that comment which I thought was interesting. What did you think about the co- the comment and just also just the idea that after 
re-educating your fans about the value of what the content is, there's if they do decide, and it looks like this is definitely in the plans, like how 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 is the fan base going to react to that? Well, there's a lot of interesting questions of that. I, I think that was probably the most interesting part of the whole call. I mean, the call was fascinating because I've listened to these probably for, I'd say the better part of a year. Actually, the person that used to help do these was uh, Mookie Harrington, Chris Harrington. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now of AEW fame. Um, so that that's a, a fun tie in there. So I kind of just took this over and have learned how to do it. I have by no means a financial expert. So this these take me a little bit longer to write up because I'm trying to kind of work through all these numbers. But what... The, Vince talked a lot more on this call than he has in the past. And obviously there was, um, there was a Wilson Berrios thing he had to address. But then this network thing just came up during the, the questions portion and he was more than happy to, to bring it up. He actually, what I found interesting is later on the call, if you listen to it, it's available for free on the F4W um, website in the, in the main post about the, the call near the, one of the questions he was, he was talking about the network, I believe. And then, they start moving on to something else and he, he jumps in and he actually clarifies a point to say uh, basically that the deal is so far, this, this OTT deal over the top service, you know, streaming services, these discussions are so far along that if that happens, it's going to be in Q1 and we're, you know, Q1 is, is we have two months left. So this is going to happen fast. It was the most fascinating part to me of the call. It was, it really, I, I think it, it's a, it's, the result of a few different things. He, as he mentioned, there's no better time to sell your, sell your content right now and your, your streaming rights. And I think that somewhere along the way, someone's like, why do we, why don't we start to break some of this up? We've cut where our network subs are going down, even though I will say, you know, over the last year, and this is one thing I think for, you know, people to remember that, you know, people like, Oh, WB numbers are going down for the network alone. They generate $186 million in revenue last year. And that's with the network going down. So just kind of keep those, those things in mind. Right. So they were down 10%. So their numbers are going down. So I think what they may be thinking is, look, is there a way where we can sell off some of the, these, uh, these assets or, almost like the whole network package as a whole, because this could be a possibility as well um, and make some more money off it and perhaps give the rights to somebody else to distribute and manage all this network content. Um, it's it's fascinating. And I think as Dave Meltzer's alluded to and other people that I think if they could, you know, do this thing all over again, they would say the only, you know, it's all the pay-per-views, but a WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble, or maybe you know, a couple of key ones like that. So I think they're kind of like, look, we we need to help kind of start turning this thing around, and we need to, if we can sell everything we can, why not do that? Now there's a danger in that because you as you allude to it, you do risk pissing off your fans of like, look, you know, we're already paying for this and this and this, uh, even if it's five bucks more, like say an ESPN Plus or something like that. We don't we don't want to do that. You're asking us to pay again. And for some of us are like, oh, five bucks isn't that big of a deal. Other people may be like, that is a huge deal. So it's a it's a risk. I am I'm fascinated to kind of see what stream partners and how it kind of works because you also want accessibility, I would think. Like you don't it's one reason the NFL network is so selective with how they, you know, choose the stream partners and you know it's like with the Amazon Prime stuff. They haven't really gone full bore into it. Like all those Thursday night games, for the most part, you can also pick up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So, because they know that some people just aren't used to that experience. So, um, fascinating times ahead. But that was uh, that was the the I think the most interesting part out of that call was just those nuggets and how he kept coming back to it over and over and over again. 
Now, as we know, Michelle Wilson, George Barrios, last week it was announced that they were no longer with WWE. And I think it's been mentioned at least that the network vision, at least what it is today, like the it was something that was uh, Michelle Wilson's vision and she actually had to convince Vince to go through with this. And if I mean, I, that's just what I've heard. I don't obviously I don't know for sure. But I do wonder with this idea now, now that Vince has stated here, you know, this is what we may do. I wonder if that was part of the, the bumping of the heads that, that they may have had. I'm sure it was a ton of other things, but I wonder if that was part of it, because if, you know, her her vision was, well, here's what the network is. Now we just have to build it. Look at, you know, Disney Plus uh, has I don't know what are they like thirty million subscribers or something, but you know that 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 obviously that uh, that library is much much more vast to to a majority of people than WWE. But I, I do wonder, like, if he was like, look, like I believed in this, and you know, this is this is now probably something that we need to go back on, and and I wonder if that was some of the frustration. So I, I think about in terms of Fight Pass. So when UFC made the deal with ESPN Plus. And said, okay, here's where all the pay-per-views are going to be able to be purchased now exclusively there. At that point, you know, ESPN or the um, Fight Pass lost one of its one of its drawing points at that for a streaming service. That's that was previously the only place you get those pay-per-views. And now all of a sudden there's another spot. So it's like, why do I need Fight Pass? You know, if you're a hardcore, super hardcore fight fan, you're probably keeping Fight Pass. And Dana White has said over and over again that Fight Pass is continuing to exceed expectations and is killing it and all this stuff. I canceled my Fight Pass subscription after the ESPN deal because I don't go back and watch old fights as much as I used to um, because every single weekend there's a new show to watch. Yeah, no You know, so it's hard to really go back and watch it. Plus, all the stuff they've put up on YouTube over the years, there's really no reason. I mean, pretty much you can watch almost fight and almost any fight you want. And for those people that have really delved in the ESPN Plus archives, there is, I mean, hundreds of hours of, of good, of like quality classic fights on there. So if you need to get your fix, you're going to be able to get it easy. And so, they put the pay-per-views on uh, from the ESPN pay-per-view. They, they put those on ESPN Plus like really they, quickly too. They, they don't advertise those, but you can, You it, it does not take long to get that stuff on there. So for five bucks a month, that's great. How that ties in WWE Network. So all of a sudden, like, so the the um, 186 million I was just talking about, that's worldwide. So you try to, try to figure out how much of that is domestic? And then you figure, okay, is there a reason with these subscribers? Like if they, if they like, look, the network is going to be for, you know, what they've been talking about forever, like progress um, over in the UK is going to be on there. And like, oh, the other OTT groups over there, I think may have signed a deal and like say all these indie groups are going to start signing deals and that's what it becomes plus access to the library and all this stuff. And, and maybe that's good enough to keep half a million worldwide subscribers say, you know, the, the rest of them are like, look, I don't, you know, I don't want to go for this, but I, you know, I, I'm going to stick with this service and say it was ESPN plus that took everything over and another five bucks. I mean, they may be, they may be like, look between this revenue here that we're getting guaranteed and, you know, from a say, say ESPN, right. And plus a half a million here, that is more profit, more exposure. And we're, we're kind of out of this model now. That may be that may be one of the things that they're that they're thinking about. So I think to your point earlier, this could be a case where Michelle Wilson's like, look, you know, you don't see Netflix and other services doing this. Why are we doing this? And Vince is like, look, I want to get as much money as I can for these assets. And, you know, we need we need to we need to 
reach people other than network subscribers when it comes to finding this stuff. And maybe this is the way to do it. I, you know, if the big thing is if they were to go full bore back into pay-per-view, say with a ESPN plus, they were going to follow this model where, look, we're going to get ESPN was going to give them a, like the USC, a guaranteed mm-hmm. amount every single month, you know, that becomes interesting as well. I think that would make more fans angry that, look, <laughs> the product isn't where we want it to be and you're making us pay, you know, 50 bucks a month or something like that. I think there's there's a lot of questions we're kind of like, we don't even know really what we're even talking about, what this is actually going to be. Yeah. But there's so many different avenues and you do, because of where they're at now, you do risk kind of alienating a group and, um, man, it's it's a businessman it's it's fun this is this is the really kind of fun stuff because there's so many different directions it could take yeah absolutely uh so moving moving along uh something that is related to this conversation is ufc 246 uh broke the streaming pay-per-view record uh for the card with conor mcgregor uh and when when you look at that number because we are so used to the former model of pay-per-view numbers, like that number, oh, it did a million. It's not as impressive just on paper. But when you think about the uh, households and the availability and folks who are still anti-streaming, that number was actually really impressive. And, and as important as that number is the amount of subscribers that it generated now, well, you know, it's now up to ESPN Plus's uh, ability to keep those folks. But uh, that number came out, and I thought, you know, wow, that that they're actually showing that you know this is moving in the right direction. And and I think at least we all thought from the beginning that ESPN severely overpaid for the value of what they were getting. But in in this case, you know, they're still probably overpaying, but. It works out for them w- with a fight like this, and, and you wonder, like, you know, okay, Connor is absolutely worth so much more to ESPN and to this model than uh, than than just about any other guy, and 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 it just made me think, like, okay, now how does how does ESPN utilize this to continue to build Connor's uh, stardom and and keep him fighting as well? So going back even a little bit further back, when you remember when they were talking about John Jones and Brock Lesnar. And the, the whole thing about the Brock kind of, uh, this was the stuff that Dana shot down, but David, I don't know if he directly reported, or I think he might've about essentially Brock wanting 15 million flat to to fight. Um, and Dana USC was like, you know, go pound Sam, essentially, (laughs) you know, and which is crazy thing about, and now like you look at this and I I was thinking about this at the time that, and this was, again, this kind of like, will, will Connor come back? Is he ever going to fight? Why are they not pushing it? You know, if ESPN, they're paying this guaranteed amount every month, if I'm them, I'm like, look, what do we, what do we do to get Rousey back? What do we do to get Lesnar back? What, you know, if that was, if that was accurate, I would be, if I, if I'm ESPN, I'm like, look, we're giving you all this money. You pay Lesnar 15 million. If it means he's coming back and it's John Jones and we're going to pop another million. Um, right. To me, like, that's like, that's kind of part of the, the trade-off. Um, so going to Connor, this was like kind of the first, first taste of what happens when you get a really, really huge star on a pay for you platform, um, like this, that people will find it. And I also was thinking, you know, what if it was available on plus and other stream platforms, how many people potentially were turned away at the gate because they couldn't simply not figure out how to access a pay-per-view. We talking another half a million, a million, you know? So it's, um, it's interesting and it, it just, it's a, it's a great foundation for them in that, 
These are people now that have gone through the process. They know what to do. And that's really what they're looking for, right? They're looking for obviously revenue, but the the process to be easy, people to understand it. And then the next time Connor fights, the next time a Barack Lesnar fights or something like that, they're like, yeah, 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 you do this, you do this, you do this, done. And that's like, that's a huge hurdle for them. And the fact they were able to get a million for this, that's a... That's a tremendous number. Obviously, it shows that Connor is still a draw, even against a, a fighter against Cerrone in a non-title fight. That shows that non-title fights with superstars can draw. And that's a big thing too. So this is a this is a, a, a win, 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 win for every single party involved. I'm sure everyone's thrilled with it. And yeah, I mean, you, you get people on there to uh, you get you get stars on there that people want to see. They find a way to watch shows. And I mean, yeah, this is a this is a huge thing for them. And to your point, now it's how do you retain them, which can be one of the trickiest parts of all. Yeah, absolutely. The the and the thing that I think um and maybe people are, are giving enough credit to this, but you know, if you think about back in the day when, you know, we're talking several years ago when the UFC was still trying to, you know, get coverage, whenever they would get covered by ESPN, it was such a boom to uh to the business to, to you know to the pay-per-view but now because espn is involved it is part of what they're great at the espn model like they're just a machine they pump out content like nobody's business and i felt I, fe- I felt like connor was very much in my face uh all you know at least the last three or four days before that that fight and they have the ability to do that as well because they are such a content generator and you know they're not only just really covering the fight now they're sort of promoting it as well so that's a that's a different aspect to how they can continue to build uh on their relationship here the uh the journalism the journalistic side of me um that got my degree at UMaine that element of it makes my skin crawl because <laughs> and, and at this point I've, I've had to come to grips with it because so much has changed. So yeah, the idea that, you know, a, a, a journalistic entity should present news and present stuff because it's actually in merits being news. And so much of this now it's promotion. This happens at every sport at this point. It's like, I, I am fully, I fully get it. I understand it, you know, with uh, any college football game also, I mean, they, they are, there it's it's news with a big asterisk next to it um but they you're right they have i remember um I went out to lunch this was around this is when the Cejudo Dillashaw fight was coming up and they really mm-hmm. went they mm-hmm. went cuz they want people to sign for plus last and, january right and just i remember yeah and so i was uh yeah, i was just sitting at the bars kind of watching and all of a sudden you see this constant about Cejudo Dillashaw um, in the, in the bottom right corner, kind of just went back to eating, talking, whatever, and then look up and there was another UFC thing. And, and just, just the fact it became part of the sports fabric that they show made it big time, you know, and, and they, uh, as much as people, and this is, this is the thing too. So many people get in this mindset, oh yeah, people are cutting the cord, ESPN sucks, all this stuff. Look, they, they are still, they're still ESPN. They're in every single bar, sports bar in the country and really in the world, right? And so you have this reach and it's still the name. So when people kind of get out of that bubble of thinking and realize that, look, the, the biggest name in sports media is a line of the ESP, a line of the UFC, and they are pushing this hard. That's, that's a huge thing. And that's, that's what Fox couldn't give them. It's what all these other entities like. It's just, this is what ESPN does. It fits into the fabric sports. It helps legitimize it and, Look with Connor. It worked. Now, now imagine, as much as I don't really care about seeing the rematch, wait till Connor Khabib too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone just feels that's inevitability, assuming Khabib can be by Tony. But can you imagine now 
the what you were saying that you felt you saw you saw Connor pretty much you know in your face for those last few days. Can you imagine Connor Khabib too? It's going to be like they might as well just start like ESPN. Uh, ESPN Connor, a brand new channel just for his stuff. It's gonna be it's gonna be absolutely insane. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, let's move on to the the card this weekend. Uh, UFC two forty seven. This is a John Jones heavy card. Uh, he is the face of this entire uh, thing for them. Uh, there is you know there there is another uh, another title fight with Valentina Shevchenko and Caitlin Chikagian. I. I I'm gonna. I, I, I was trying to practice before I got on the air. Chikagian. Chikagian. Yep. Uh, Chikagian. Um, and uh, but you know those are really the the two main fights. Before we get to the card, and we'll also make some predictions in a second too. Uh, the thing that is so intriguing to me is that it seems like every time John Jones fights, the story of the fight is that. He's a changed guy. He's a dad. He's, you know, he's not the same person, you know, who he's been in the past. But I feel like that's the story every time he fights. And again, that's the story they're telling here. Um, it, it feels it just feels sleazy when they do that. Like, I wish they would stop trying to present him as this great human, because that's not why we watch him fight. We watch him fight because he's a the, the best fighter of all time. What, what do you think about sort of the portrayal and trying to humanize this guy who's obviously not, you know, n- not someone that uh, necessarily is going to win a humanitarian of the year award? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it, I think we've been through this so often that now I'm kind of desensitized to it. I wonder if they're, they're trying to capitalize on the, on the big Connor crowd that came in and maybe they're like, look, we have a lot of potential new UFC fans here. Let's retell the story. I'm just like the Spider-Man origin story rebooted every single time, you know, in the movies. So I, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it would be nice if they kind of focused on the, the guy inside the cage and the fact he's just, you know, simply one of the best ever and truly is undefeated, you know, outside that, that random Matt Hamill quote unquote loss. Yeah. Um, and that this is, you know, another undefeated guy's fighting and all that. But I, I think this ESPN does human interest better than anyone. And I think maybe they're trying to trying to kind of find that. And, and perhaps they didn't. And I, I cannot remember back to um, the with, with the, was ESPN plus. Were they exclusive when he fought Santos last time with back in July? Yeah, yeah, yes. ESPN Plus was was the exclusive. Oh, were they the exclusive home for pay per view then? At that point, I'm trying to remember. Yes. Okay, yes. so maybe they tried to do it then a little bit, and it just didn't. It just didn't work, or maybe it's just kind of part of the story. And could be now that that the because the, this is really a a um, not exactly a show of stars, but maybe they're like, look, we got we have to have, to have some sort of angle to hook this in. Maybe we do this, and they're trying the redemption story route. I'm I'm kind of past it at this point, but maybe that's uh, maybe that's what they're trying to do. Okay, it's time for our betonline.ag picks of the week segment. Uh, betonline.ag is your online sports expert. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. So before we get to the picks, I, I, I think the thing that's most interesting uh, about this show, well, it's not even that it's interesting. It's like if you want to have some trivia for this show, because Jones... Is a is, is a fairly big favorite, and Shevchenko is a hu- humongous favorite. What upset would be bigger in your mind if it happened? If Ch- if Chikagin won or if Reyes won, what would you actually find to be the bigger upset? 
I think Chikagian. I think that the gap in Dominic Reyes is a is a live underdog. There's no doubt about that. He is uh uh and it could be just because I, I I I feel a lot of the people that I listen to seem to be giving him a little bit more credit and there and there always seem there's always gonna be the guy that that uh that pulls off the upset or the girl that pulls off the upset and we're like, oh, we should have seen it coming. So I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Reyes, if if he's the guy, I, I don't know what's making me think that. Maybe it's because, again, I've heard other people say it, but that's kind of stuck in my head. But Chikagian, I think there's Shevchenko is so good at 125. She just is so head and tails above every single other person in that division that I would be at the end of the day, I'd be more surprised if she won versus Reyes. So I, I think that'd be the bigger upset for me. So in saying that, does that mean you give Reyes a chance or you just think there's a it, it, there's a better chance that, that he would win. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think that, uh, again, depending on uh, Jones's motivation, there's always the kind of the, all the X factors, right? Jones's motivation going into this um, is, is, uh, is Ray's height and reach. Is that give him a problem? As we've seen, I need to kind of see what the, the tail of the tape is, but he's always kind of had problems or, or not been as dominant against guys that are closer to his size. You know, like the, um, the gust at the first gust is mm-hmm. the second one went, went a lot better, but certain guys give him trouble. And, and the Jones that we've seen, you know, in this, this, um, this late, latest light heavyweight run against the Anthony Smiths and, and the Tiago Santos's and so on, you know, he's not finishing these guys and you, there's something seems to have changed there. So, I mean, if he's looking simply outpointed for 25 minutes and maybe wrestle him, that's possible. Um, but I, I think that if Reyes seems to be pretty confident, uh, you know, confidence could change as soon as he gets punched in the face, you know, what to, to paraphrase the, the old Mike Tyson line. But yeah, I, I, out of the two, I, I think that Reyes does have a, I don't want to say a puncher's chance, but he's, there's something there that I think he could give Jones some problems more than Chikagian would give uh, Shevchenko problems. Now, two fights ago, he looked tremendous. And in his last fight, he, he, he did not look as great. He looked a little pedestrian as far as what people expected from uh, someone uh, as, you know, as a top prospect and someone waiting in, in the wings. But I almost wonder if that was to his benefit because, like you said, you know, Jones has has uh, just kind of tried to outpoint these guys, maybe fought down to the level of the competition. And I wonder if that actually helps Reyes here. You know, whatever little angle you can take, whatever advantage you can have, if, if John Jones kind of has his eye off the ball a little bit because he just expects to run through this guy, maybe that helps. But then again, like you said, I think the thing that keeps... John Jones's eye on the ball is the fact that Reyes, uh, Reyes's uh, length and his height actually is something that that Jones does have to worry about because he's always been so much longer and and, and taller than everyone. And the guys he does have trouble with kind of get close to him there. But I, I do wonder, you know, if, if he is, you know, it's not like he's fighting Cormier, right, where he's got uh, an extreme focus because he's got a, 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 a not hatred, but the, the guy, you know, they don't really like each other. But I wonder, like, how, do, how does he stay up for guys like Reyes, who, you know, he's not going to raise is not going to bring a, a lot of attention. So, you know, Jones has kind of got to find his own way to, to to get up for these guys. Yeah, you think of some of the more traditional sports, the great sports in history and the great champions in history is they they're the ones that are able to, to do that. They're the ones who that look, and this is the you know greatness of coaches like Belichick and, and other and others that uh, Popovich, those great coaches that they're going to motivate their team to say, look, the the there is danger in every opponent that you play, and here's the here's the reasons why you should be careful of this. 
And so with the the Jackson Wink camp, you would uh, and everyone gets motivated differently. You know, Jones seems to be motivated by wanting to. I can't remember the, the the quote I heard the other day, but he wants to be he wants to make the conversation for greatest fighter of all time an easy one um, mm. in his favor. And I kind of like that. That was interesting. So if he wants that, these are the, these are the guys that he has to go in there and beat. And they may not be the marquee names, but perhaps you know that's for the people like us, you and I, to care about, not necessarily Jones. He wants to go in there and get the W no matter what, and keep this thing going, and then move on to whatever the next thing is going to be, which I, I hope will be a little bit more interesting than you know his last year or so. So I think you know this is this is where true champions are are made uh, is, is the ones that are able to be like, look, I don't care who it is, I'm going to stay up for it, and just because he may not be a promotional champion. Uh, he still is a danger to me because of X, Y, Z, and I have to go in there and get it done. That's that's my assumption, kind of how he looks at it, especially if, again, that quote I just told you a minute ago, if he truly means that and truly believes that, he, this, these are the guys that he has to beat and find the ways and, and find the challenges. It could be, look, I've... Uh, um, you know, I've dealt with guys with height and and uh, and reach issues, and I haven't uh, been my best or have had issues. How do I overcome that? And how do I these things I've learned in this camp? How do I add those to my toolbox? And 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 maybe those are the things that motivate him. So everyone's a little bit different. He seems to be that type of fighter, and that he wants to continually challenge himself to work and tinker and be the best and to 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 add more tools to the box. Um, but I guess we'll see on Saturday night if that's true. So you're still taking Jones and Shevchenko, as I'm hearing. Yeah, I, I my longstanding uh, belief in in picks is that you always pick um, these great champions. You always pick them unless they give you a distinct reason not to. And this was the case with Silva, Saint Pierre, Demetrius Johnson. You know all these long running champions that there's a reason they were champions. And to me, like. You you could be could be wrong at the end of the day, but you're not going to look stupid going and picking John Jones in a in a title fight given his run of dominance or, or any of those other guys I mentioned. Uh, same thing with Shevchenko. I think she's she's in that line. She could hold this title for another three years if she stays motivated. And all the stuff about motivation applies to her as well because mm-hmm. Chikagian is a um, is is a relative you know no name when it comes to you know true. Uh, you know, fight promotion and things like that. She's a she's a great fighter, but is she on Shevchenko's level? And I just you know, think of that just how she just like took Jessica I's soul. You know, at that last fight with that head kick, just she is uh, she is a no doubter, and th- this is a big opportunity for her. She has to keep going as well, and she obviously wants to do big things too. So this will be to me maybe you know if people are kind of looking for a reason to to pay attention to the show a little bit more, and maybe it's those elements. How do these champions? truly stay champions are they do they how motivated are they for this and are their performances reflective of some of the stuff that we've been talking about i agree with you i'm also uh, taking jones and uh, shevchenko so uh there you have it the betonline.ag picks of the week remember to use promo code blue wire all one word for your 50 percent welcome bonus at betonline.ag Okay, before I let you go, anything else on this undercard or on the pre-show or the prelims uh, that you're interested in or that you're keeping your eye on? You know, this. Uh, I, I think probably the the Derek Lewis Iller Latifi fight, just because uh, Lewis has continued to uh, last fight out, he he dropped a bunch of weight, and I thought that was well over uh, long overdue for him if he was going to be a serious contender at heavyweight in a um, 
uh, you know, a, a someone that's going to be at that division for a while. I thought that was that was good. So I'm interested to see what he does against Latifi, who is uh, short but you know built like the proverbial you know brick shit house, as they say. Um, but he's making his debut at uh, at heavyweight, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, the rest of the card, though, I mean, there's the Lauren Murphy Andrea Lee fight. There's Essentially, one Adams versus Justin Taffa, who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Uh, <laughs> you know, one Adams. We'll see this. He, you know, he's coming off that uh, that really bad loss against Greg Hardy. You know, he had talked a lot going into that and just just got rolled over by Greg Hardy. If you remember that fight last year, so he's got a lot to prove coming back. But really, for me, it's the and there was a lot of interesting fights that were kind of scrapped from this. You know, Jimmy Rivera was supposed to fight Marlon Vera at one point on this fight and. Chico Rivera, he's a really interesting fighter. That got scrapped from this show. Uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley was supposed to fight on the show as well. That got scrapped because of all the USADA BS. So, you know, this this card card should have been uh, a, a lot better. And this is also, you know, every single weekend after this is a show. So these fights had to go somewhere. But, yeah, I think for me it's the, in, in this order. There's the Jones fight, Shevchenko fight, uh, the Lewis fight, and then probably um, – probably the Lauren Murphy, Andrew Lee fight. But, you know, this is one of those where if uh, you're having a, a difficult, if you're having a difficult time parting your money, uh, <laughs> you might want to skip this one and, and, uh, and focus on something else. Plenty, plenty of awesome shows coming down the bed. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, what's, uh, where can people follow you? And, you know, I've had big Dave on this show. I look to, I look forward to trying to get Brian on the show. Everyone knows I love the wrestling observer and F4W online, but what about your uh, your social media and where can people find you and the stuff that you're writing and every, all that stuff? Sure. You can find me at uh, on Twitter, Josh Nason, J-O-S-H-N-A-S-O-N. I do, uh, like uh, Garrett said, I'm a contributing editor for the website. I do a lot of the, you know, the writing from day to day, um, you know, helping out our, our editors, Joe and Brian. Uh, I host a podcast called Josh Nason's Punch-Out, which is uh, not every single week. I kind of, I try to pick and choose uh, topics that are interesting to me, either in uh, uh, MMA and pro wrestling as well. Uh, Paul Fontaine and I just wrapped up uh, the 2019 year review series, which I like to do every year. It's a four-part series, just deep dive into uh, three months at a time. And all the stuff we miss is uh, is amazing. The stuff that we <laughs> forgot about from the, you know, for the months prior, just so many things that happen. Um, got some interviews with some uh, some uh, interesting indie wrestlers coming up over the next few weeks because there's a few guys who I've, I've seen on the, seen on the scene that are uh, intriguing to me and I think intriguing other people. So that stuff's coming up. But yeah, WrestlingObserver.com. If you haven't tried a subscription, try us out. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think you'll uh, I don't think you'll go wrong. But certainly, don't take my Ford for it. Ask other people. But it's uh, it's a fun community to be part of. It's a very supportive community uh, for anyone that listen that contribute to. Uh, Joe Courier's um, uh, not Memorial Fund, but his mother's kind of Memorial Fund, mm-hmm. GoFundMe. He lost his mother recently, and uh, we were able to raise uh, over seven thousand dollars. Yeah, that was um, really cool. There are a few funeral expenses and just you know life expenses and things like that, and it was uh, uh, that was really heartwarming. We have a, a tremendous community, tremendous community. People uh, obviously have their their issues with our website for whatever reason because they don't like Dave, um, or Brian, or whatever. It's like you know, listen, we have I could focus on the people that don't like us, but I'd rather focus on the people that we have it is a growing community welcoming for everyone. And, uh, yeah, check it out if you haven't. And, uh, certainly if you need, if you need, uh, advice on anything, certainly ask, uh, ask anyone, ask anyone in the fight game universe as well. They're uh, more than happy to help out. 
Absolutely. And uh, yeah, they, they, they may not like some of the talent, but they sure do not mind aggregating your content. They certainly don't. We, <laughs> we, I tell you what, every Thursday or now every every Friday morning, Thursday and Friday morning, we power essentially you know 80% of the wrestling websites that you see out there. So we don't get too many Christmas cards and presents from there, but we probably should. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Josh, thanks a lot uh, for talking to us and love to do this again at some time. Uh, Really appreciate it. Anytime, Garrett. Thank you. All right, back with with John. And one of the things that came out of the conversation with Josh is obviously this idea that on the investors call, WWE, Vince McMahon made it very much sound like uh, they are changing what the network is going to be and it sounds like their pay-per-views or their um special events or whatever they call them these days are probably going to end up elsewhere and from a monetary standpoint from a let's make the most possible money that we can make now i think that makes a lot of sense especially because one of the things that these streaming networks need is monthly content hooks for the content the ironic part about that is that's exactly what those pay-per-views were for wwe network yeah. so uh but but you know but they they cannot make that same bundle of money all at once for their own content through their own network and will probably sell those uh, sell those shows to somebody else to to make a dollar how, how does that affect your interest in the actual WWE Network itself. I mean, for me, if they go this route, and it sounds like they are, it sounds like there's some serious negotiations with some big time streaming services. And I don't know who that is. It could be Hulu, Netflix. It could be ESPN Plus. um, Word on word on the street. Word on the street. At least the, the one that seems to be the favored one. And that I've seen from folks is the NBC streaming service coming out called Peacock. Peacock. Yeah, yeah, which is actually gonna—they're gonna be having Cheers on there. <laughs> I actually, my, my that's, that's the real—that's the real deal. I might, I might, I, I love throwing on my Cheers and uh, my favorite show of all time. So, um, and uh, and also this the Psych new movie is gonna be on there too. So, oh Peacock yeah, yeah, has yeah. my interest. I know there's gonna be a free a free service with the commercials. But I'm sure that the pay tier is going to have um, the WWE, if if that's the you know that's the case, the pay per views, etc. You know, and then certain shows they can only pay for. Um, I mean, for me, the network, I will still have it, you know, because I watch a lot of the old stuff. Uh, if I want to just dial it up, I can watch it. And um, also, you know, I, I I'm a weekly watcher of NXT uh, UK, which that's, I enjoy that that's show. That's what I was going to ask you next. So I would keep it for that, you know. I would still have it, but um, it was honestly when I when I saw the news today about that, it was kind of a bummer, you know, because yeah, I'm yeah. like, you know, let's support. But uh, I understand why they're doing it or why they're interested in doing it. It's just, I just, it's just kind of a bummer. But for me, who's such a nut, I would, I would keep it, keep it and probably get whatever that they go to. But um, but yeah, all in all, like I said, I was just kind of like, ah, man. Things are changing. The streaming was this so fascinating. The streaming world of like mm-hmm. you know, like we talk about you and I talk about all the time. Like you don't have cable, I do, and we talk about the cord cutting and you know, like I had a coworker who was like, "I'm done, cable, tired of paying it, cut the cord." 
And then he's like, my shoot, my streaming, <laughs> my internet's higher than my cable. Cause you know, his, at, yeah. his girlfriend and, and uh, is home with the baby and you know, she's not working. So she has that thing fired up like all day. And, um, so I can see, you know, I can see that happening here too, you know, cause you know, my wife works part time and, and we have the kids here and, you know, Disney plus is over like a mother and, you know, I just can see that happening. So it's like, it's just like this game that ha- I have yet to figure out. The um, the services are they're they're becoming crazy, right? Like yeah. there's so many of them, and I really do wonder. I mean, the, you know, the the game right now is to overpay for content and hope that you know you accumulate the the subscriber numbers and then create the consistent revenue coming in. Uh, you know, Disney Plus announced uh, their number recently. Um. I know ESPN Plus announced their number recently, and they're they're growing, doing thanks to the UFC show that uh, Josh and I were talking about. But yeah, lot lots of it's such an interesting time, as if it's not interesting in in, mm-hmm. in wrestling. There's so much stuff going on, but um, but yeah, like you know, AEW is like, oh, we have our TV deal, and then WWE's like, hold my beer. We're going to make a boatload of money selling our shows that people don't even really tune into on our own network. So, so interesting the the, the way that this stuff works. Um, okay, so um, let's move on. And uh, well, actually, I did want to say one more thing. Uh, you know, I was talking to Josh and, and mentioned um, the, the website WrestlingObserver.com. And look, you know, this is not an ad for that website. I think those those who who are subscribers are probably long terms, long time subscribers. Um, but to so this show we are recording this Friday night. A lot of people will listen to it. Um, I'm sorry, Thursday night. A lot of people listen to it Friday morning, Friday afternoon. I think this is kind of the the plan is for uh, Big Dave and I to record. And we're going to talk a lot about the business stuff coming out of the, the call. And uh, originally, we were supposed to talk to Cody Rhodes. But, um, you know, just days after his lashing that we'll talk about in a second. But uh, that that I, that had to get de- delayed uh, until next week. So I may, I may be doing that, or Brian may be doing that. I, I'm not sure. But we were supposed to do that tomorrow. But instead, um, and it's actually kind of kind of not not that it's n- not good to not be able to talk to Cody but um to be able to do the the business stuff is actually kind of cool so I'm, in, I'm I'm excited for that but we'll I'll I'll probably have that up sometime Friday afternoon because Friday night I think I'm going to be a seat filler at SmackDown the the um WWE's in San Jose <laughs> on Friday so I think I'm going to be doing that um so I we I did not get tickets uh, myself, but my cousin has a, a hookup, I guess, and he asked me if I wanted to go be a seat filler with him. So maybe I'll hang out with George Kittle. Does that mean you got to move around? Probably, I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to go to that house show. That sounds like a, I think it's like Oakland or something. You mm-hmm. know, I, I mean, I, I can't, but yeah. I really enjoy the house show stuff and they're, and they're seeing like every time they come around, that's like, I can't make it. But, um, those are usually fun to watch little longer matches and, um, they're always really entertaining. All right. So let's talk about these Wednesday shows that we, uh, we got finished watching. Let's, uh, let's start with AEW. I just, I'm just going to pull out the things that I saw important. And if I missed some stuff that you thought was actually important, definitely bring it up. But, 
I, w- I would say, you know, for those who watch that show, the main event segment with Cody receiving the 10 lashes was pretty compelling TV. I was like, when I when I saw the time that they had to, to do this segment, I was like, how are they going to pull, how are they going to stretch this time out just to do the 10 lashes? And man, they did such a good job with it. They did a good job with the... Um, you know, Cody did a great job just really like pulling at the heartstrings. You're really feeling for him there. MJF and, and Warlow just total like jerks. Like you really hated them. You had Dustin coming down and Brandy coming down at the end. Just really compelling TV. I, I thought, you know, that's it's, it's one it's one thing to kind of have the idea to do this. Like, here's the idea, you know, that we're when you kind of draw it out. But then the other part of it is actually like making it work and really doing something like that. And I thought I thought they did a really good job with that segment. Yeah, well, I'm on the opposite end. I I really thought they missed a mark with the whole thing. Um, you know, the idea, the story is the ten lashes, which I never thought they actually explained correctly, was that you know the reason for the ten lashes is because you know obviously. MJF thinks he's not going to be able to finish the lashes. They're going to be so brutal that he can't get through 10 and he's not going to have his match at the pay-per-view with him. And, but of course, you know, he does, he, he, he takes all 10, even though he barely survives it. I thought Cody was good. I thought some of the things they did were good. I like Dustin coming out. Um, you know, you can, the Brandy stuff was just for me, kind of cringeworthy. Cause I, it just, it just, didn't feel real, honestly. But that's his wife. It's his wife, but she's also been this really hokey character on TV, and it just was not working for me. And the crowd, when it when he finally took the 10 lashed, they didn't pop. They didn't pop. They didn't react the way like, oh, yeah, he did. He survived. It was like they were kind of like not really reacting. They they started cheering when the when our answer started pounding the mat. They started everyone started pounding the mat. Everyone started cheering, but then they stopped. I don't know. I just think they had this idea. I don't understand what they were going for, but it just didn't hit that for me, for me. Did not hit that emotional core. I wasn't I wasn't feeling it. It was uh I liked the I the Wardlow part of it. I thought that was cool. They had him do a lash. But like MGF I think of all the great performances he's done, I think he missed his frust- like he wasn't frustrated about this. He wasn't like yelling at him. He, he you know he's I like, know he needed more passion from him during this. I don't know. I, I wasn't feeling it at all personally. Well, that, I mean, this is actually interesting and and good that we can have this conversation because you're the single only person who I've heard that didn't like this. So I mean, I, I just assumed everyone was was into it. So the. I, th- I think the reaction of the crowd, it's like uh, you see this at movies sometimes, right? Where the uh, end of the movie where the hero is the hero, but, you know, just went through so much stuff that you're you're both happy, but like, you know, also like decimated by what you just saw. So I get that piece. Um I mean, I, I understand the Brandy thing, too, but, you know, that's it was sort of a pull the curtain back moment uh, for her. And I thought she did a good job with it. Um, I guess I can see the MJF side of that, but I think it was and this is going to be a problem, I think, with some of these segments that Cody is in, is that I don't and I don't know who's 
producing the segments themselves, but the segments are very Cody. They're very Cody heavy. And he is the the main part of the emotion. And so, you know, I could see someone like MJF kind of getting a little bit um, overshadowed by Cody's emotion. And thus, you know, maybe he doesn't quite step up to the plate to 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 reach his level. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't you know, I I wasn't uh, I wasn't bothered by him. Uh, by his performance either at the same time. I thought he was I thought he was a good enough jerk. I thought the Wardlow thing was good. And God, you know, those were like real belt shots. And I mm-hmm. think that's also part of how, you know, you look at that and you go, man, like, you know, I, the way I'm thinking is I'm like, Cody has to do the thing that he wants to do and get whipped for real by this belt at the same time and he's you know those are just emotions that are that are kind of going all over the place at once and he was able to kind of keep that thing going so that i think that's what i was most impressed by yeah this definitely i I could see tony khan it might have been both cody and khan coming up with the storyline because i think you know tony's a big uh, mid-south fan and i remember one of my favorite storylines is um when magnum ta missed wrestling two when mr two turns heel on magnum ta he was his mentor and trainer but then he feels like he's you know the old guy's being passed up by the young kid um and so he just got mr wrestling two plays a great grumpy heel during this and there's a tag they're tag champions um there's a match the midnight express and and they i think the loser has to take 10 lashes the team has to take 10 lashes each maybe, or I think it's like five and five or, or, or whatever. And so Mr. Rest, they lose and Mr. Wrestling two is pissed. He's pissed at Magnet TA. He walks out, doesn't take his lashes. So Magnet TA says, I'm going to honor him the, the stip and, you know, and I'll take all of them. And it's really compelling stuff. And then, you know, Terry Taylor shows up and he's like, I'll take, you know, he, you know, TA's just done. He's been beat, you know, he's, and Terry comes in and is like, I'll take the rest of them, you know, for him. Pretty awesome stuff. And I think they try to do that with what Dustin came out and did that, right? Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. totally see, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Um, I wasn't bored with it or rolling my eyes. It's just, I was kind of gauging the crowd and I don't know if they got, got the story. I think, and it was like when, Excalibur at the end, like, look how frustrated MGF is. Like, he really, like, oversold it because I could tell, like, for me, it wasn't connecting with the audience. I think they're just, we were just kind of watching it. And, like, of course, you know, grown, like, like, oh, man, you know, because it is real belt shots for sure. No doubt. Nothing was worked there. And, God, I hate that stuff. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, that's, for me, it fell short. Uh, okay, so the I think the next thing that was uh, storyline wise was was pretty interesting was the um, so that you know the the they've been telling this Adam Page story. This one was a little bit more of a comical turn than an actual like next chapter of the story. They had the eight man match. He's the one who takes the fall. Uh, the Bucks want him to tag. He does not tag. He loses the match, and the Bucks and uh, are, are frustrated with him. And so, you know, a few segments down the road, uh, there's an interview segment with him, and then the Bucks are very mad that that he was selfishly not tagging out. And then they decided. I don't remember. Maybe it was Matt said. You know, here here here's the problem, and he took the beer away from Paige and then Paige kind of looked like a little perplexed 
And then he took a drink out of the pitcher, which he was holding in the other hand. I dig that kind of comedy and I actually laughed out loud, which is really uh, not something I necessarily do when I'm watching wrestling. Uh, I was entertained, but it wasn't really like sort of the next, the really the next chapter of the storyline. Yeah, it was just a continuation. Um, it was fine. Um, the, the tag match for me was just frustrating as all hell. You know, just, uh, you know, not just, not just the moves, you know, the moves are the moves. You know, I'm okay with that. But it's like the stuff where guys are sitting there, standing there, setting up for stuff just drives me insane. And I'm not saying NXT doesn't do this because they did it the same show, right? Yeah. yeah. Hector Garza and um, Swerve uh, Scott, they they were frustrating at times too with stuff like that. And um, and also I think here's another miscalculation. They're doing they're doing this, you know, the typical, I guess we call it now a young bus match where it's like, you know, a lot of spots and big moves and and they don't they didn't really tell the story they wanted to tell with the you know it was after the fact when Paige got pinned or to you know Excalibur here he is again I don't you know to my you know thinking back I don't think he ever tagged the Bucks it's like <laughs> bro you had 13 freaking minutes to tell the story right they had they didn't they didn't you know I mean if you're really looking for it, you can tell but for the most part it was just so much stuff going on you can tell what was the story of just just a bunch of moves and um, I mean I give them credit they actually covered a count in one minute but then they stopped for another eight and then they they had some covers so you know but uh, it's just I think once another one that missed a mark I think both these honestly I'm gonna talk about NXT too as well being very frustrated with that show too I think to, this Wednesday was very frustrating overall in my opinion for me as a viewer. Um, I, 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 I didn't really pay attention to, uh, the announcing all that much, but I, I sort of figured, uh, I mean, if you've been paying attention to this, it's clear that the Bucks are the ones who are frustrated with Paige and, and Kenny is kind of like the, the middleman. And so, I, I mean, I saw exactly what was going on and, and what they were, what they were trying to do, but in a match like that, which is just no. nutty and crazy, it's not necessarily that kind of match that you want to tell that story with. Yeah, they could have. I don't know who else would have been in that spot to where they can tell a slower paced match. You know, like 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 last week, I really enjoyed the Bucks and Butcher and the Blade because they had a kind of Bucks had to slow down for the Butcher and the Blade. They're not going to do that style, and I thought they had a really good match, one of their better matches. And you know, with the four way tag, you know, you it's going to be crazy and wild, and I don't, I don't think you could tell a story that they want to tell with that style match. I I think they could have, you know. With someone else, I don't know who, but you know they could have done a because all this mostly all the tag teams there wrestled the same way, so it's uh it, it's tough. I from once again just also didn't hit the mark that I think they wanted. So the show opened fairly hot with uh, Moxley and Ortiz, mm-hmm. and you had Jericho and Sammy Guevara being uh, rock stars on the commentary. Very entertaining, and um, after Moxley wins the match, then. The uh, the inner circle attacks and he he has a uh, I think he has the car keys from uh, from the car from Jericho's car or Tony Khan's car or Tony Khan's dad's car I think mm-hmm. and um, and then he it's it's sort of eye for an eye and he and he stabs uh, Ortiz's buddy Santana in the eye and so that kind of creates a, a, a new match for next week or I think it's next week uh, an eye for an eye match and Santana cut a uh, pretty impassioned promo later in the show 
Moxley, like I'm not the I've never been the biggest Dean Ambrose fan. I really have been just pretty okay with the Moxley character. I think it's a lot better than Dean Ambrose character. Um but these last few weeks, I think it's been working really well. And uh, he's he is uh, I think I think the comparison that everyone makes is is Austin. He's never going to be Austin. No. It's just you can't ever he's you know, no one can really do that character the way that Austin did. He just he's going to leave everybody in the dust in, in comparisons. But it's working from the standpoint of you really you you really believe in him as 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 this you know insane babyface like he keeps winning and he keeps getting one over on the heels but the problem is is that as much as you want to see him keep winning you also do not want to see Jericho lose that title because Jericho's the perfect champion right now so they have a little bit of a conundrum coming for uh, their revolution pay-per-view yeah, I you know I really like this match. This is my favorite match on the show. Um, Ortiz showed me a lot in this match. Um, I, I think it might have been a more Moxley leading this, and and they, they kept the aggression up. It was, you know, Ortiz didn't really do a lot of the goofy stuff. Yeah, I was really impressed. I liked this match a lot. This was a really, really, really good match, and I thought Jericho and Guevara were great on the play by play, like you know, and um, uh, the angle with the key. Mm. I ain't get it, eye for an eye. But like when you're when you're stabbing people in the eye, man, it needs to be a lot more taken a lot more serious. And there's, I, no, know, there's no, I mean, you get there's no blood. There's, there's no, like, well, <laughs> well, there's a they're in a hallway <laughs> later on for their promo, and he's and he's okay to cut a you know passionate promo that he's gonna get revenge. Like he just got stabbed in the eye, people. Like he should be weeks away from coming back to get that revenge, you know. But they, you know, they just it's just so quick and hot shotting and they're not really thinking too too detailed um like I'm not, like are you really believing he's getting checked by the doctor in the hallway like they don't have a in this major arena they're at they don't have a good doctor area a little or made up area i just i think some of that stuff they really missed a mark on but uh well but, i mean the match the i thought fact, was great the fact that they didn't break the skin obviously because there's no blood i mm-hmm. guess you could sort of believe that maybe you know he just he he didn't really Moxley himself didn't get the job done, but I yeah, it, it's silly. It, the The fact that Moxley still has the the eye thing is is silly to me. I, I, I think I, I I I don't know if I would have him keep wearing it, but I will um, say he has a better pa- eye patch. This <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, you probably haven't seen this movie. I'll, it, it, this is an old. This is an old cut. This is an '80s sci-fi movie called Ice Pirates. No way. There, yeah. <laughs> I never heard of this yeah. movie. It's like life. a comedy sci-fi. Robert Ulrich is in it. You know who? You know who knows that know this movie probably is our buddy Chris. Yeah, yeah, Christopher. And there's a there's a bar scene, a very Tatooine ish scene, crazy bar pirates, and and there's a like a you know bad guy, tough guy pirate stepping up to the bay faces, and uh, he has this eye patch, and I just started laughing because it reminded me of that same eye patch, and the character was named Patch. Go figure. And uh, I started laughing about that with the eye patch because last week he had the party city eye patch that wasn't really fitting on correctly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he finds it. Let's just tape his whole head almost, you know, and that that seem to work out better. Uh-huh. Um, you know, as far as a newsworthy perspective, um, you know, there were there were matches. Britt Baker had a match and she lost and she Dude. knocked the tooth out of this what? this woman's <laughs> face. What'd you think about that? Come on. I I thought like the whole. The whole thing with um, her beating up the the woman, 
I just thought it went so long, and mm-hmm. I, I I would just rather have her cut another promo and make fun of Tony Schiavone. Yeah, yeah. We had a what, an eye poke, an eye stabbing, uh, two being knocked out, and and a um, and and a lashing <laughs> like in all mm-hmm. in two hours. This is ridiculous. This is this is pretty brutal. Yeah. Did you see I, uh, uh the, the the great that you know Aubrey that that um that Jim Ross loves to put over. You see her on camera giving her the fake tooth that was awesome. i did not i yeah. didn't see it <laughs> yep classic wrestling <laughs> um so i guess the other thing you know it could be because it's the kind of the start of a feud i did not like the sabian and janella match oh um thank you thank you for bringing that up it uh i i i think the feud can be good because they're you know it's you know it's, there's a there's there's some uh, l- there's a little bit of reality to it, um, but just I don't know. I'd, I I've never been a Janela fan. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I, I'm I'm still not exactly sure who Kip Sabian is. He's it's not like they have. It's not like he's he's um, you know he's he showed us what, who his character is. Sort of like a Darby. They, ha- they haven't established him. They haven't yeah. established him. All of a sudden, he's now in this angle. Yeah, and and you know, like Darby Allen or even a Jimmy Havoc, you sort of understand what he is because of what he looks like. Jungle Boy, you understand they've told his story a little bit. Kip Sabian's entire story is just that he took Joy Janela's girlfriend, and even that's a stretch, right? Because she chose him too. So it's it's, but that's kind of the story that they're trying to tell. And so I'm I'm just not into it. But I do think that if they figure it out and if they can really turn up the story it could probably be pretty good but yeah for for you know for the first match just to happen and nothing nothing was special about it at all not off to a good start no um you know you know why it didn't if it's not off to a good start right is because they lacked intensity they went out there and had a standard wrestling today's wrestling match right and there's no, no no intensity, no passion. No one's wanted to rip each other's head off. You know, it just, you know, it, it didn't need to go through a break. It didn't need to go through, I don't know how long it was. It felt like it was too damn long. It should have been like three to four minutes of just brawling all over the building. Maybe the bell doesn't even freaking ring. You know, Janela wants to you know rip his hair out and, and you know, just, just get in him and start beating up. And they, they there's nothing, there's none of that. There's none of that. I, I but felt you like know why? You, the reason why is because Janela's story isn't that he's heartbroken. Janela's story, at least as far as I can tell, is that he is over her <laughs> and he just wants to screw with them. Like that's that's the story. So if it was the story that you're saying, which is now Janela is heartbroken and he's so mad at this guy and he's so mad at her, then yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. But when Janela's trying to play Mr. Cool Guy, I'm over this hot girl, which, you know. Then why are you wrestling? Just I, that's that's what that's what I'm saying. I don't I that's why I don't really understand like if they change the story a little bit Kip, or they or or Kip could be pissed at Janela. He should be upset. Man, he's bashing my girl. You know, he's well, talking trash and about my girl. But he comes oh, out with lollipop and he does his <laughs> thing and he, you know, it's like, ah, get out of my get off my TV. This I, I think horrible. I think one thing they could do, and and you know, I think we're kind of on the same wavelength here with, with what you just said is, if Penelope just kind of like had a hint, like a half a second of uh, 
sympathy for Janella, just a tiny bit, then yeah, then Kip could be the frustrated one. And then you get Joe Janella, a little bit of empathy for the baby face. But here's a problem too. Like these guys have never worked a, like a grudge match. Uh, uh, you know, they don't understand that. They never worked it. Um, you know, I'm not saying I've seen all their matches. I know what they did. I'm, I could just tell. I could just tell from the from this match. They have no idea how to work a grudge match. Uh, they just went out, like I said, they went out there to the standard pro wrestling, modern day pro wrestling match. Instead of like thinking about what's this, what's the story about and what's the match we got to work around. And, you know, it's up to the producers, whoever, you know, whoever was producing this match to kind of figure out too. So I don't put all the heat on the, on the guys in the match. I also put, you know, some, you know, cause they don't know. So we're relying on a guy like Arn Anderson or D Malenko or, you know, or others there to kind of like, you know, you know, come up with Dustin Rose, come up with the, the story, the proper story to tell this match. And it's not going 13 effing minutes through a break. You know, it, like I said, it should have been shorter, should have been more tense. Um, it's, I hope this storyline ends like quickly cause it, it's, it's not doing anyone any favors and it should be like, they have a, 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 a few that's prepared and ready for them. And they're, they're just, they're, I don't know any, anyway, cause we know Janela wasn't really into this program at the beginning. So I don't know, maybe he's just, you know, walking through it and doesn't really care. You know, maybe same thing with Kip Saban. They don't want to work together. I don't know. It's just, just, just not. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not. It's not a good way to gain TV time, though. Yeah. If, yeah. That, if that is your mentality, and I don't, I don't, I hope that the, I don't think that's their mentality. I think it's probably more what you said before, which is working TV. TV's different. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to. You, you the storytelling is is a little bit longer. So, um, but you know, the, this is we we we've been mentioning this throughout the uh since the beginning which is there is some inexperience there and they're gonna gain the experience basically right in front of our eyes on tv yeah yeah and then what they had they had to have also the producers to help them through it too and and i don't know i don't know maybe i don't know maybe maybe they're not or maybe don't care maybe they're just happy to be there i don't know but uh someone needs to kind of do some uh check some balances over there and and go over stuff and really think about the stories i want to tell uh, okay, so let's talk about um, the NXT wait, show wait, wait. here. We have to talk about the Pac promo. What about it? Was was Rio just like stuck with the force field? She couldn't walk away. She's just sure. She's just scared. <laughs> she's scared with her belt, and she just can't run. You know. Like he's like, hold on, stay here for this camera promo. I'm gonna cut off. Yeah, he, I, yeah. He, we missed the part where he told her, "If you don't stay here, I'm gonna like beat up Kenny Omega or something." Or yeah, like I was thinking, like this is ridiculous. And then they announced they're gonna have a 30 minute Iron Man match. Mm-hmm. What a grudge! What a grudge! What a grudge match! The 30 minute Iron Man match. My goodness gracious. I, I didn't I, I I felt the same way, but I think I at least as far as I can tell, Pac or Pac's frustration with Kenny is over just him being kind of like the the chosen one, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not that he hates him. He's just like, you know, why are you so beloved and and I'm not I don't get as many opportunities See, as you or whatever. This, I don't even you gotta explain that to me. I don't even get their story they're trying to tell here. Well if, I mean I'm I'm just assuming. I don't I don't know it that much either because I don't watch I mean maybe and maybe they do tell it in being the elite, but you know, I, I'm not watching that. I don't I don't consider that canon. Yeah. And then like 
like honestly, Omega and Pac shouldn't have a program right now because Omega is with Paige, and they're slowly teasing that. Like I think it's okay to you know go to this later. I think it kind of just confuses things, and I think Pac should be feuding with the. You know, it'd be great if Pac wrestled Darby Allen on TV one day, and they had a match, and 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 Pac is just overly confident, and and he's definitely above this kid, and 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 Darby sneaks out a victory. And now he's pissed, right? And now that now he wants revenge on Darby for beating him, wants to prove that he's way better. And like you know, we talked about Darby having a program, which I, I guess now he is with the uh, with the uh, the inner circle stuff, which is going to be good, I hope. And but like you know, that'd be a good feud for Pac right now until until Omega frees up after what he does with Paige, I guess. But Paige and then they're, they're going to break up, and then Paige and them going to wrestle. So well, I, I mean, maybe maybe that plays into their frustration that you know page screws omega in some and way I, or something i need you to ask me should ask big day or I'll, I'll just text them or something but do they do 10 counts or 20 counts at aw outside I'm, yes i think it's 10 well is it 45 because at one point scu and uh the best friends were on the outside for two commercials during the <laughs> so there you go yeah, and, I, and then I, the Orange Cassie lays down next to him, and and then poor Jr. had a chuckle and put it over. Well, a lot oh, of people yeah, are yeah. frustrated with Jr. for the Britt Baker stuff because he was kind of goofing on it a little bit. But the best is when he called Scorpio Sky too cool Scorpio. <laughs> I yeah, popped. That I popped for that. That was awesome. Well, they saved it though. At least no, no, he did a good job coming out of it. But like, I was like, uh oh, <laughs> Jr. Uh oh. I, I wish I, this is the, definitely not the case, but I wish it was like this master plan for him to like screw up on purpose. So people think he's like this, you know, he's losing it. But mm-hmm. I do think he's not losing it, but he's he's not as sharp as he once was, obviously. Yeah, that, see, that's good comedy. <laughs> Scorpio, <laughs> Scorpio for me. I, was, I died. I, was, I know I thought about you, too. I'm like, oh, I hope Garrett's dying, too. Yeah. This. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, OK. NXT. Um, Velveteen Dream comes back in the main event segment after uh after the undisputed era takes out uh Tommaso Ciampa and they do the spray paint on him and um he comes out to to I guess I guess I and I, I didn't even remember that the storyline was that they took him out yes and so he comes back get some vengeance he came out a little bit too much like a house of fire because he was like throwing punches to uh, invisible people during that uh, during that segment but that you know WWE does those surprise or those comeback like you know that you forget about this guy and then they come back they do those so well so you know uh, even we talked about it last week and I was like who's it gonna be like killer crawl I was like oh god of course it's Velveteen Dream I just like forgot that he was that he had been gone and yeah and it was it was really good uh, but like I said he was he was pretty sloppy in there but you know, I, I give him a little bit of, I give him a, a a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because he was probably so fired up to be back. I think he was uh, produced to be sloppy and, th- and throw wild punches because he's essentially taking on four guys. So I think like he has to be wild and crazy because if it's just a traditional where everyone's kind of standing around wait for him to take a, like take a move, it's gonna look a little silly. So I think it had to be kind of chaotic there. So I was okay with that. I was okay with that. There's a lot of stuff on the show I didn't like, but but um but on um 
that I, I was okay with it. And um, it was a good return. The only issue I had too with the, his return is like when he ripped off the tights to show Marina and the and their their son on his tights, the Rick Rude thing, you know, like the the Cheryl Roberts stuff to Jake Roberts. Mm-hmm. Morrow never mentioned it. Beth never mentioned it. Uh, Nigel never mentioned it. They, they missed it. They missed it. Well, they, yeah, they obviously weren't clued in, right? Because that's the thing that you would mention immediately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I noticed it right away, and I thought that was great, but they just skipped over it. And I know, I know Marina tried to do stuff on, on Twitter today, but yeah, that was that was a a misfire there. Marley's really good at that kind of stuff, and, and, and he just missed it right there. The the match itself was was pretty good too, but you know they whenever they do those screwy uh, disqualifications at the end that are not very creative, you just kind of feel a little deflated because you just watched a, a ton of uh, ass kicking and and you know Chiampa's going for blood and he looks like he hurt himself and then he's fighting through it and then no oh, Roddy's just going to come in and we're just going to get a disqualification. Yeah, I was, I was fine because that's just that's continuing the story. It's okay for this this match here. I wasn't deflated here. I thought this was one of their better matches on the on the night. Um, I like this match a lot. I was legitimately concerned about Tommaso. Um, yeah, it's really serious. As Is it really? As, as far as I know, right now, I mean, so so I um, it's, it's not bullshit. I, I guess I guess he because he was limping and it looked like a legit limp to me, and I was like, oh my god, this this is like one of those moments where, you know, it's a real injury because you can fake limp, but when you no. really limp, it's it's really like oh you're like oh oh it was but then uh, he but then he he worked through it like after and he was like a pro man. I mean, he's gutted it, gutted it through. But from what I understanding, he wasn't putting much weight on it after in the back. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, I hope not. I hope the it was just a, a sprained ankle, and 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 he's gonna, you know, be okay for takeover next week. The um, the story. So we can actually talk about this because the way that the match gets gets made, the the story of the show was. Undisputed Era was looking for Ciampa the entire night because of what had happened uh, previously. And then um, Riddle and Dunn got their kicks in on uh, on Undisputed Era, making fun of them and Bobby Fish and Frying Fish and Matt Riddle just being goofy as all hell, which oh, is, yeah. is his personality. But I will say that I, it was... I like Matt Riddle as a wrestler, I think he is organic, but sometimes when he does the goofy stuff, I just think how childish it is and how, you know, my, uh, you know, maybe like my eight year old nephew or something would get a kick out of it. But no one, you know, no adult would would sort of enjoy that sense of humor. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But no, no. I mean, I didn't like the segment at all. I thought like does not you don't open the, sh- the show with this. You know, I'm I'm I can already see people changing channels and watching, you know, and they ch- and they change over and there's a hot match with, you know, um Amber uh, Moxley. Uh, Moxley and Ortiz. Unless they think that Riddle has something on the microphone that just, you know, captures the people. I, I I sometimes he does because he is so different, but in other times it it is it is too silly. Like I I keep mentioning the um the promo that they did uh, with the grizzled old veterans, um, 
it was a few weeks ago when he made the the weed reference and i was like that's kind of cute but that's also the stuff that's going to get you in trouble so i don't know how smart that was to say that on tv i just i you know i i just wish they would have done something different maybe something a little more hotter where actually the undisputed area actually attacked them and or maybe knocked a trophy down or i don't know it just they just kind of like they came the undisputed air came out and they said a couple things and and then uh i think roderick strong came out and pulled him away and it was kind of like i don't know i just don't think you open the show up with that with this with this segment just because you know you're trying if you're trying to compete you know i think i think a lot of people was like okay i'm gonna check out what's going on in the other show right now i, I know I, I thought this this doesn't you know talk about stuff they didn't miss the mark i thought this missed the mark big time so this this next thing I want to talk about is the thing that I wanted to talk to you about the most, and, and especially when I was watching it, which is Charlotte comes out and interrupts Bianca Belair, and then Rhea comes out to interrupt Charlotte interrupting Bianca Belair. And I thought that, one, it, it really... I, like, I, I'm a big fan of Charlotte Flair, and I think as a babyface... She has a lot of fire and she's obviously really athletic, but as a heel, her promos make her seem so one dimensional and she speaks in the same cadence over and over and over. And I would I I was just like, okay, this is this is Charlotte the heel, but. I don't think she enhanced the other two women. I think the other two women, especially, well, okay, so for Bianca, Charlotte got over on her twice, and you could see Bianca very animated in the background, like, I can't believe she just did that. She put her hand in my face. I'm about to blub, you know, and you could see her be animated like that, but then she didn't really do anything until they double teamed her. And on the, on the flip side, Rhea came out and she had her opportunity to get on the mic. And I was like, mm, like there was an opportunity to really like be, you know, show your, your, that, that you could be in the ring with this woman. And I thought she fell a little flat with her promo too. So I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, and I don't think I would have had the two NXT w- women double team Charlotte to get her out of there and be like, oh, we're NXT, even though they're fighting next week. I don't know. I just I thought I, I was just thinking, how would you have done that having the same people out there? Because I thought they could have done a much better job with that segment. I wouldn't have done it. This is ill-advised all around. Um, this should this should happen Charlotte should show up at NXT in two weeks. Yeah, that that's that's exactly you're taking what I you're taking the focus away from Bianca and Rhea. You're telling me now that Bianca's not going to win, um, which is really frustrating to me. You made Bianca look like an idiot out there, just hold, just sitting there having to take it, being talked down to. The focus should be right now on Bianca and Rhea's upcoming title match. They should go into takeover. They should have the best match they can have. Bianca should lose but still get over by, you know, her great athletic ability. And they should hopefully have a great match. I'm not going to say it's going to be, you know, Sasha and Bailey from takeover New York or whatever. But, like, it's, you know, hopefully these girls are going to have a, a match that we, we remember and both girls coming out of it. Even Bianca losing will come out stronger and whatever. But, like, in their attempt to kind of sh- hot shot this, you know, Charlotte 
now it's just hurting what they have planned. I know they're thinking, well, the WrestleMania is more important than the takeover. I'm sure it is. You know, obviously it is right. But like you have plenty of weeks to shoot this angle to Rhea. You know, it's just real. That's what frustrates me about this set. And I just thought this, this also missed a mark and it really, it really upset me. And, you know, then they, then they team up to <laughs> knock out Charlotte down. And it's just like, oh man, I, they, they executed that poorly. It's like I said, Charlotte should not be there in, until two weeks. She should show up on um, whatever that was at this, this, the, the 19th, you know, the Wednesday, the 19th, that's when she should show up on, on NXT or, or Rhea should show up on the raw after takeover on, on presence day. That's what she should show up on then. It just, they did it, did it two weeks too early. Well, it is pretty clear now that they did change plans and that Shayna was supposed to win because this stuff with Charlotte announcing who she's going to face now seems, like you said, two weeks early and, and really forced. And so I think they just had to kind of speed up their plans of what they were going to do, but they had to move it up a couple weeks because Charlotte won the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah. Well, they can... But they can tease it. She can come on Raw and, and say this, and and then then show up on SmackDown next Friday, and you know tease that she's gonna challenge Bailey. I don't know. They could have, you know, she can be off TV one week, you know, to kind of stretch it out a little longer, whatever. You know, she can. They can show a vignette of her vacationing and relaxing and de- well, contemplating. I don't her, know. Her I'm fiance just, is well. He's vacationing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, <laughs> she can be in Mexico relaxing. <laughs> And um, and and deciding who she's gonna take and cut a promo on Becky and cut a promo on Bailey, and then you know maybe the waiter says something like, "What about Rhea Ripley or something like that?" I don't know. You could do something like that. You could you could be creative with it. It's just it's just or or maybe Charlotte gets interrupted by fans and she kind of blows them off, and then she's like, "Do you you know you you know?" Maybe a fan says, "I bet you can't beat Rhea Ripley," you know, or something like that. Just ah, it's two weeks too early. You know the other thing that bothered me, she, she, because of the shoes she was wearing, oh, no, she she's so powered cool. over Rhea. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I, and I want Rhea to be like the female Hulkster, and then she just all oh, just got towered over by Charlotte. Ill-advised, uh, ill-advised segment, uh, executed poorly. Yeah, too early, too early. As I said, that's that's this issue with it. So Dijakovic is going to get the shot at Keith Lee at TakeOver, which adds another really good match to that show. Uh, but uh, I think it's like six now, right? Like, is there like six, six matches on that show now? Yeah, those, this one's going to have six. Okay, so uh, it'll, it'll either be longer or they will shorten some of those matches. Yeah, I, I can see a couple matches going shorter. And also, want to. I guess... I guess I guess Dream and Roddick will be a uh, a TV match for 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 the for the USA show for sure. Think about that match too. So um, so that show, so the Takeover show is not this Sunday, but next Sunday, February sixteenth. You know that you know the kind of the the scheduling quirk for this show is that it's going head up with the NBA All Star Game, I believe. Mm. So. Okay. That's uh, that's. Uh, I wonder. I wonder how that's going to uh, to do. Uh, I, I mean, it, that that game in of itself is not a super important game, uh, but it will it will pull some viewers, I'm sure, from the takeover show. Uh, okay, so the I guess the only the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about again I, I, when I watched this, I, I immediately wanted to get your feedback. 
we talked about Jordan Devlin and we both talked about how uh, how good he is and and now he's got this belt and that means he's going to be on US TV a little bit more. And I was like, great. I can't wait to see this guy wrestle. And then I saw who his opponent was and I got deflated immediately. And then I thought, okay, if Devlin has a semi-competitive but also beats him fairly clean and you know not more than three or four minutes i think it'll be fine and then tyler breeze started almost winning this match and i just i was out and i will admit the last few minutes were good but i was just i was like why i don't i don't really care about this match anymore well you didn't like this match i like this match a lot i thought this match was a really good pro wrestling match um why why do i care about jordan devlin if he can barely beat tyler breeze you don't, you don't, you don't, you're, I don't know, this is a competitive match. I don't, Ty Breeze is not a pushover. He's a veteran there. I mean, he's not like, you know, uh, challenging for, he just, didn't he challenge the, the dream for the title? Like, a okay, are we, are we trying to build stars or are we trying to make everybody the same? What is the goal? Nobody knows who Jordan Devlin is. And if you watch the NXT program, you probably know a, a good deal about Tyler Breeze. But if you're trying to make Jordan Devlin into a star, why does he go 50-50 with Tyler Breeze, who can barely get on TV and has been, you know, a, a character and not not to his like just like it's not his fault. It's just the cards that have been dealt to him for him. But what, why should I feel after that match like, yep, Jordan Devlin's on his way? My thought after that was like, oh, they don't really have big plans for him. They have big plans for him. Trust me. They, he's really I mean. They love him there. They they definitely they I mean, the, I mean that Shawn Michaels stuff is when when Mars talks about it. That's a real thing. You know he's really high on him, and uh, you know he's a great worker. And, and I wasn't high on Devlin for a long time. I remember when he first showed up in that you know the NXT UK stuff, and I was like uh, I don't know, wasn't into him. But then now he's just uh, you know the OTT stuff, and he's really turned on this heel character. You know, I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought the match was great. It was, it was a good pro wrestling match. I'm okay what, with Tyler what, Biggs what being competitive. The reason, what is the reason for that match, though? Is the reason just to have a good wrestling match for a segment, just to have it? Or is, these, or is the idea that he gained something from beating Tyler Breeze? Because I don't think he did. And the fact that he struggled so much with Tyler Breeze, it feels like he actually lost something from the previous weeks that he's been on TV. I don't think he lost anything. I mean, he hasn't really been on their TV. Um, that's that's my point, right? Is we are supposedly building this guy up to be uh, a strong character, both on 205 Live and on NXT, the US show. Like, what what is Tyler Breeze's role there like because we we talk about squash matches you know and how you can selectively do them and they, they're still good for tv now i don't think he should have squashed tyler breeze like i think tyler breeze is a good wrestler but the characters when you are in this created wwe universe devlin is definitely on his way up tyler breeze is about as bottom barrel wwe talent you can get to he's not you know the the Singh brothers or, or whatever, who are also good wrestlers. So it's not that it's what, what, where's the hierarchy? And it just made it seem like Devlin is equal to Tyler Breeze. And that's what I hope that is not the case. Well, maybe, you know, maybe, <laughs> oh man. Um, 
maybe they had to stretch some time out and the match is a little longer. Yeah, I mean that 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 is that is possible. I did see sure. the referees in the year a lot, so I'm guessing. I'm guessing some. It felt like a lot of things weren't called or called on the fly, in my opinion. And so maybe it's, I mean maybe there's a time issue. I'm not, I'm not sure, but um, I'm okay with Tyler being competitive because uh, you know he was just challenging for the North American title like a couple months ago. So we, you know, he was featured in a singles program before with the with the Dream, and, we, and and he did really well there. So I'm okay from giving uh, Jordan some. You know, a tough competition match, and I think Jordan's going to be fine. I think he's going to get over, and and uh, you know, he's 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 a talent, man. He's cream rises to the top, and I think he he is uh, that good. So I was I wasn't worried about. It. I don't think he took, you know, didn't you know? It wasn't like uh, freaking um, what was that match in AEW with like you know you know so you know you got to be you know, I know you got to beat guys quickly sometimes but here I'm okay with it I, cause maybe because I just loved the match a lot man I thought it was a really great match and it didn't bother me at all but um, but uh, yeah 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 I don't see any problem with it all right so uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we move to the flare segment um, no I didn't you know I, like I. The stuff I like stuff at the Swerve Garza match that was good, but there's times where I thought they got a little too spotty. I loved Garza's promo at the end. I thought that promo was great. Um, you know, real passionate. It felt like it wasn't even scripted. Maybe it wasn't, but uh, he, I thought he did a great job there. Um, but, but what's yeah. his deal? I mean, he's on. He was on I Raw. Know. I don't and. Yeah, I understand. So, Heyman loved that guy. He did a great job for him. So yeah, we're he's gonna awesome. see. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. He has something special about him. I love the idea of putting him in Selena Vega while 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 uh, San Almas is gone, and then they come back, and you could do some cool stuff with that as a team, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. splitting them up. Uh, maybe Selena Vega kind of like likes you know not likes you know likes him, but like sees. Garza is a, a maybe he's the better one, you know, and it starts, you know, all that kind of, you could do some great stuff with that, hopefully. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious. I thought he had a home run with, um, with Ray and he's also working with Ray, but also I like that they protected him. So that was great. That was great stuff. By the way, my favorite match of the week is, uh, probably the six man from raw where it was, uh, was it was it this was it who was the match? What was the match on on Raw or was that last week? I'm trying to remember, but there's a really fun match where Kevin Owens that might have been last week actually. Go by did himself, had, the yeah, elimination yeah. match. Was that last week? That was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then so what did they do this past week with Kevin Owens? Did they have a shoot? God, just all run together. Maybe it was this week. Did, no, no, it wasn't this week. No, because Joe was already gone. He yeah. Wasn't. Oh no no there there was I think it was a six what wasn't it a six because um oh yeah, yeah was, because because the 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 Raiders uh, both got eliminated yeah so, so it, it was this three. it was this week it was this week the elimination match yeah I like that match too I really liked it just because you know I've been so hard on Kevin Owens because of that Shane McMahon feud and I watch him now and I'm like okay like I you know I, I get it a lot more and and I and I find myself rooting for him and then I catch myself going wait am I actually rooting for Kevin Owens it's because he's a, cool because he's a baby face he's a natural baby face he, he's so he, he's not a he's not a great heel he was never a great heel and that's what drove me nuts about his heel work I was like this guy is not not that good as a heel but as a baby face he's perfect and that's what and then and, and, and Heyman's cast him perfectly as a as a baby face 
Yeah, no, but that that was good. And Raw, watching the 90-minute uh, Hulu version of Raw has been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I know people are like, oh, you're not watching the whole thing. Well, no, I'm trying to make sure that I will still watch this show. So I'm, I'm watching the 90 minutes version, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, I really like the last two weeks of the 90-minute 90, 90 Raw because... You know, they're actually trying some stuff with certain guys. Now, I do think that Ricochet, his his promo uh, on Raw before the Brock Lesnar match was maybe the worst promo. Actually, I, I, I think I already said that. Did I say that there was worse? It was one of the worst main event segment promos that I have ever seen. He was so bad and the writing was so bad. Mm-hmm. And whatever he was trying to to portray was just like not it did not hit me in any way. And I was just like. This this sucks. Like, why why do I care? But you know, the writers have a hard time in the main roster how to how to how to write for like a smaller baby face, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, they, they've always had that issue. But he gets the match with uh, with Brock at the uh, next Saudi show. So, like, I, I I'm fine with Ricochet getting a few things in, but I I also don't think this should be a twelve minute match. I think it should no probably, should no be a little a little bit a little bit quicker. Yeah, but should he, should, he should get a couple of fun hope spots. I mean, he should be able to duck and dive and go under legs and go on the top rope, hopefully, and and then finally get caught with the <laughs> caught with the big uh, F five. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our segment, uh, week two of the. Ric Flair Tatsumi Fujinami match from Super Brawl 1. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Super Brawl in of itself because my memory of this show was that there was just a lot of stuff on the show, like new characters, some cool matches, but just a lot of stuff. And as I watched it back, I was like, yep, there's a lot of stuff on this show. And a lot of stuff that they could have saved for uh, for TV. Uh, you know, there was a Johnny B. Bad segment. There's a Diamond Stud segment. Um, there's some matches that were were very uh, were, were okay for for that show, I guess, because it, it was it was cool to see Nikita Koloff and Tommy Rich because then Nikita Koloff comes back at the end. But there was also stuff that I was just like, okay, can we get to the you know, can we get to the bigger matches? But Overall, as you rewatched that show, what what did you think? Because have you and and have you had? When's the last time you had watched that show? Because I think I probably watched that show a bunch of times just because it had the VHS, but it hadn't been for probably almost twenty five years, probably since I watched it. Mm, I probably watched it like ten ten years ago. I'm sure, like you know, on DVD I had or something. Um, Going back rewatching it. A lot of matches that need to be on there. Like yeah. I said, it should have been on TV. There's no reason for Dan Spivey and Ricky Morton to be on this show in that match. Um, I did, I although get, I did, I did like Ricky like jump punching to mm-hmm. reach Dan yeah. Spivey's head. <laughs> um, big Josh Black Bart. I love Black Bart, but come on. I mean, just that shouldn't be on TV on the paper. Big Josh with his, with his bear. Yeah, that was goofy. It's supposed to be Larry Zbysko, right? Maybe he's like, forget this. I think it's hurt. Um, <laughs> what um, about Oz? Oz, God, it should have been a TV thing as well. But it was cool that my, you know, the late Tim Parker got a spot on the pay per view. Mm-hmm. Um, 
who else? Uh, another match was you know Nikita Tomrich is fine because you know you're just giving Nikita a match to you know beat someone and that's that's fine. Um, also the diamond uh, the diamond mine segment shouldn't have been on there, which was just horrible. I don't I, I didn't rewatch that part of it. I kind of skipped it. I should have because they leave uh, Dallas dropping the f bomb. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, because on the on the, in the live pay per view he talks about it. I think it just it just comes off the rail. The diamond stun goes off, and then and then like he sells a microphone. And you hear all you hear is like "eff it," you know. And then so um, he came out in the opener with the fabulous Freebirds, and they're like I, I think because he was wearing the headset. There's a I mean, and it happened twice on this show because he comes out again where he doesn't realize that the mic is live before he comes out so you can hear him talking both times and so i thought that was kind of interesting because you know they're they're they like he didn't realize but two times on the same show he didn't realize that that his mic was live and that you could hear him before he started walking out i thought that was kind of a little little junior varsity on uh, on ddp's side or WCW side, right? They've or WCW side. Had, they've had a lot of moments like that. Um, the opener is good, really good. Match Freebirds, Southern Boys, or Young Pistols. They, you know, they had a, they always have a great chemistry together. They've, Fantasia. I think they've wrestled like every big show for like from ninety to ninety one. Those two teams. Um, yeah, the debut of Fantasia, which would turn into Bad Street. I'm guessing Disney <laughs> sent them a letter about the yeah. name Fantasia. Um, you know, that was cool what they did with Brad Armstrong coming out. Then coming out later is Fantasia. You could tell by the white boots is him. Um, the mask was horrible. Uh, the Southern Boys, I mean, are you calling the Southern Boys? To me, there's always the Southern Boys. But, you know, they had to get repackaged as the Young Pistol because they're too Southern. And of course, mm-hmm. their, their gimmick, you know, today wouldn't fly. You know, a lot of people probably wouldn't like the confederate flag and all that kind of stuff but you know back then i didn't even think about it and and i thought they were just a really underrated tag team tracy's mother's is just a great really good worker and steve armstrong's an armstrong he can work and had size and could fly and i, I always liked their work i always liked their and of course they had a great match with the you know Minute express and barry rick barry bash 90 which everyone should go out and watched that they never seen it but uh i thought that match was good um i watched i rewatched Eligante and sid oh my god and they got through it that match was actually a lot longer than i remembered it was a little I, bit better than i remember too i mean i know i mean Eligante's selling was just really bad but for the most part it wasn't it was kind of sid wasn't too bad I mean, when I remember him, I just for some reason I always remember him just getting up like right away, but he just kind of does roll out. But you do see yeah. him walk in the background. But they really try to cover all that with you know one man gang coming out and. So you know, you know what I realized is, um, you know that that Thunderdome cage match came across so flat. I mm-hmm. remember when it, when it happened, and then rewatching the pay per view, and I go, okay, I, now I know why it was so flat because Wyndham and, and Pillman was such a battle and then you had blood and you had you know Barry just bullying Brian and so that was like a fight and it kind of took a little bit of the of the sales away from from actually having a cage match where you don't have blood you don't really have you know there was the shenanigans with Teddy dropping the 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 gimmick or whatever but uh, like there was that 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 same intensity that was in that other match wasn't even in the cage match so it just came across so flat and plus that cage match came so late like he he turned they, they Butchery turned on him in February. 
And I don't, I don't think I don't think they even did anything on TV for like the longest time between those two. There might have been a couple of promos, but there's there's nothing that they really shot. That I remember. I remember like it was just like a. Um, I think Butch Reed was like I don't know gone or or where he was, but I don't remember them doing much on TV leading up to that match. I remember just being like like now it's here and I don't care, you know. Which it should have been a bigger deal because you know Doom was a great tag team in 1990. And then the match that still worked for me. The uh, babyface tag teams, Sting and Luger and the Steiner brothers. The I'll tell you, the only thing that seemed a little weird at the end was the feud was Nikita and Lex. Nikita wanted that U.S. championship. And that was the feud. And so at the end of this match, he's going after Lex with that chain. And Sting pushes Lex out of the way. Mm-hmm. And he gets belted. Sting deserved to be mad for getting hit, but he went crazy, and it's his fault that he got hit by this chain. <laughs> he was saving his boy, but like the the beef was between Nikita and Lex, and Sting kind of butted into it. So I didn't really get why he was so insanely mad at Nikita. Well, he cost him the tag titles. That's why he's insanely mad. Mm, I guess he cost him the match, but. I that that he he got he went from zero to like blood feud in in like thirty seconds. Yeah, I thought they had a really good brawl in the back. But yeah, this match was this match was a lot of fun. Eleven minutes of just all action, but action when they sold. They they sold people. That's why when people understand when they watch this match, like you know, there's you know a lot of guys now they just do all these moves and they don't have any facial expressions. They just they're just you could tell they're just thinking what's next. Here they're just going at it. And they're selling, and they're, they're, they're you can see the they're registering the pain on their face. Um, I th- you know that's this is a, it was a, it was a high spot match for sure. Mm-hmm. But like people have to understand, like they're also remembering we got to sell this shit too. You know, we gotta we gotta put this we gotta we gotta get over what how these, how these these moves hurt and the pain they're feeling. And and what's awesome is they do the move. Guy sells the move, registers the pain, mm-hmm. and then the guy who delivers the move immediately goes to the crowd and like celebrates as if to say like, you know, I got I got him because it was it was a game of one upsmanship. Yeah, yeah. And so the baby the 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 person who gets the move is like that that was me, and and so I, I like that part of it because they all got to kind of like show off in that sense is like. Okay, I'm the man. No, no, no. I'm the man. No, I'm the man. And I thought that was really cool. Um, what, okay, here, here's the spot that always uh, I always wondered what was going on. And a lot of times with Rick Steiner, I wondered what was going on. <laughs> so they do the thing where Rick gets pushed off into the ropes, and he hits the actually hits the ropes with his chest and like runs backwards, and then they kind of bonk heads. I always wondered like. Was he supposed to do that, or they just got mixed up, or because he didn't? He he. It looks like he was going to shoot him off to the ropes, and then they were supposed to like body block each other and maybe conk heads. But Rick runs into the ropes, but he doesn't turn his body. He runs and hits his chest with the ropes, and then like, and then like runs backwards, and and they bonk heads. I always wondered about that. Yeah, it was a crisscross spot, and I. I, I you know, Steiner hit those ropes so hard. I think he kind of got tripped up a little bit. I mean, he didn't fall down. He just kind of like, he kind of just tripped up and they kind of like ended up that way. I thought it was kind of cool. It was kind of, you know, made it a little crazy and chaotic there. And I was fine with it. It wasn't too bad. 
Uh, and then uh, Sting has uh, Scotty in the in the Scorpion, right? Right before mm-hmm. the finish, yep. and, and when when Nikita goes for Lex, and you know, I, <clears throat> I was so fired up for that Sting Nikita feud, and it wasn't really that good at all. Well, no, as far as from what I remember, no, it wasn't because first of all, Sting like pins him on Clash next next show. Um, I know it was a roll up and a quick roll up, and I think I think Nikita somehow gets his heat back that night. I forget. I remember he tried to threaten a stinger or something like that. I won the contest or something. And then they had that boring ass chain match at Great American mm-hmm. Bash 91. And then, and then Nikita was out <laughs> like, like a month later, you know? So yeah, it, it just kind of, what did, what did he fail? Medicine test? What happened? I don't, I don't know. Remember. I don't know. got p- pissed off a of pay. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, Maybe that's what it was. But he can, comes back in February 92 for Watts. Watson somehow gets him back or Kit Fry got him back. One of the two. All right, so let's talk about this match now. Ric Flair, Tatsumi Fujinami, their second match. Overall, and you know, we'll, we'll walk through some of the stuff, though. Overall, this was much more of like a war than the first one was. Uh, there was so many chops, so many forearms, um, lots of like, uh, you know, kind of toe-to-toe stuff where I, where I, where I sensed like, oh, you know, these guys are, these guys know that the other guy is good and they want to, they want to have, a, 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 you know, they want to be really good themselves. Uh, and, um, I, I liked that part of it. I liked the aggression. I liked the, the sense of, uh, of a fight. The thing that's was a little weird to me is the presentation wasn't of we desperately need Rick to keep this title. Uh, I thought he was a little bit of a baby face in the buildup as if to say, you know, this is kind of USA versus Japan or whatever. But actually, when the match starts, Dusty and Jim Ross don't really care about anything. They, they What they care about is they're trying to make Tatsumi Fujinami flares equal to, to that to the US audience. But it's not like this desperation thing. And from the storyline and the way, you know, we talked about the dusty finish and all that stuff, the idea that, you know, Fujinami could actually take this championship back to Japan, like Hiro Matsuda said in the very beginning, they didn't really sell that. And they were just like, oh, that, that's not that big of a deal. I, re- I wish that that would have been in the presentation a little bit more like, you know, gosh, like this could actually happen. Fujinami could take this title. We need to, you know, Flair needs to win this for WCW, but there wasn't any of that. Yeah, and then, it, you know, because with, with all these matches, they didn't have time to even have a longer match, and they could have had a better presentation of the intro, you know, the inter- introduction of the wrestlers. It's kind of, they kind of like quickly went through it, and it didn't feel as big as it should have been, because really, this is for a held-up championship, though it's not technically a held-up championship. I mean, and, and Ross and Dusty are selling it like, you know, Flair is the champion. Mm-hmm. Fujinami claims that, you know, that should be his, but, you know, it's a little dispute, and they're sure they're going to settle it here, but it wasn't really focused on. Um, like you, I enjoy the intensity of the match. It was a lot more, it was a lot better than their match at Tokyo Dome. A little faster pace. I love the beginning with the wrestling, the amateur wrestling, uh, you know, Flair getting out of stuff. You saw, you saw a lot of different Flair here. Um, I know he did a lot of the same spots, the backdrop and the stuff like that. But, um, you know, like he did stuff where he had the guy, you know, Fujinami locked up in the ropes and he just drops a toehold there. I thought that was cool. And and um, I thought Flair did a great job when he got cut with the blood mm-hmm. to really sell him being exhausted and like 
at l- barely hanging on to this championship. I thought that was really good by Flair. Like, and you know, and it started off right away with a great stare down. That was a great Fantax stare. Like, like, like Flair took it seriously, and, and so did Fujinami. He looks big in this match too. Like he, like I don't, I don't know if he decided to put on a little size in the shoulders and the chest, but he looked like he was, you know, he was much bigger uh, physically than in, in in the other match. Um, but Fujinami looked big too. I was like, wow. And maybe it's just the way that the New Japan uh, match was shot. But this, the this was, you know, you got a little bit closer to these guys, and they both looked big. Um, and of course, Tiger Hattori is the in-ring ref, mm-hmm. and um, who's the outside ref? Uh, uh, Bill Alfonso. Bill Alfonso is the is the outside ref, and so the 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 match uh, inside the ring is is really like a. You know, n- there's not a lot of like spots where one guy sells too long. It's really, you know, he, I, he Flair gets his in, then Fujinami comes back, then Flair comes back. There are some times where you know Flair will do a couple Flair flops, and you could tell he's he's pretty exhausted. But you know, it's it, it, the 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 rhythm of the match isn't in one way or the other. Like oh, the long sell and big comeback. It's really like more like you know, my turn. You know, a couple minutes, your turn, you're going to get offense. I thought that was kind of cool because it, it didn't tell the same normal story because they weren't really, you know, this wasn't really like babyface heel match. It was a little bit different in the dynamic of it. Um, the uh, <laughs> it, it was funny because there Dusty had his you know, Dusty had so many Dustyisms in this match, you know, the neck kiss to the butt kiss oh, yeah, and, and all that stuff. Uh, and then, you know, Flair, Flair drapes Fujinami across the guardrail, like growing first. And Dusty's just like, yeah, you know, I don't think I can really tell the audience that that was an atomic drop. I think he really wanted to do that. Like he was just he like, he says dusty. something about the jewels or something, or he says some kind of, he gets something in there quickly. Um. Yeah, that was. Uh, actually, I didn't like that spot. I don't. I don't think you should do the nuts on the guardrail spot. I think it's automatic disqualification, in my opinion. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I like. But I think it's you know because they're they're calling in the ring, right? Yeah. And you know today's wrestling, everything's so choreographed and everything, everything from WWE to AEW on. Yeah, because there were a couple of times where I was like, okay, they weren't they weren't perfectly in sync there, but it was totally fine. Like it worked. Well, the, the, I believe the first time they worked together was at the Tokyo Dome, right? So, you know, and then they're a little more familiar with each other. They kind of know what uh, each other does. So, you know, I, I think I thought it worked. they'd have definitely. I like this match better, even though the finish was funky. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> my favorite was like Flair taking Fujinami's hand to put up to his neck so he could throw oh, him yeah. off the top yeah, rope. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. that was I thought that was great. Yeah, I, I thought that was weird because. Okay, now I it was I don't know if Fujinami only planned to use one hand to throw him off, which is weird mm-hmm. because they he would have had to seen a Ric Flair match before. Um, but then Flair like was like, no, you need to put your hand here to fully throw me. Like it was yeah, it was a little bit of a weird thing. Um, the other the other uh, I think there was the other moment where. Because Dust even pointed this out, like it looked like Rick was trying for like an Oklahoma roll or mm-hmm. something, and then it turned into just like a he just did like a forward roll over the top of him, and then went outside and just did a flare flop. Well, like Flair that was mi- good. Flair missed it. 
I, it's not, that was on Flair. He just he goes to Oklahoma whole roll. He doesn't. He doesn't he, I think he just overshot it or something. Yeah, it, yeah. it just looked really bad. And then, and then what happened Dusty was he called it out. He's like yeah. he's like oh he just he just missed it. <laughs> yep, call what you see. And yeah. then um, yeah, then Flair does a rollout. To the, see, Flair was feeding to Fujinami to go get him. Yeah, and Fujinami wasn't. So Flair's like, well, screw it. I gotta do something to keep these people engaged. So he pops out and does the the Flair bump on the outside. So I thought that was another little funny moment too as well. They did get a small, very tiny USA chant going near the end. Um, end of the match, Fujinami's going for some pins. Uh, he goes for a couple of them, gets a roll, gets a roll up, and then he gets pushed off. And then he bonks Hatori. So Hatori is not uh, able to to count any pinfalls. And right as he does that, Flair grabs Fujinami right by the tights. Where Alfonso comes, he can clearly see that, uh, where he comes from. And then where he's counting the pin from, he could probably clearly see that Flair is holding the tights too. Yeah. The problem with this that I thought, Jim Ross and Dusty Rhodes said nothing. Yeah. That was frustrating. Well, first of all, the whole finish was botched. Because, first of all, before that, uh, great near fall. When Flair picked him up for the the body slam and, and Fujinami f- and it falls on top of him, the crowd oh, yeah. really, yeah, God, yeah. man, they got. Well, they went, I mean, I was like, "Is he? Is this dude going to kick out?" Yeah, I, you know. And I know this match; I've seen this match yeah. like twenty times. That was great. The crowd really popped big for that. Like they were like, "Oh man, we almost saw the title change." Uh, the, the, the the inside cradle was really good too, but not as good as that that moment. Um, what happened was they f- messed up the finish. Did you notice that? The finish should have been. Well, I don't know what happened, but it should have been. It was going to be the O'Connor roll, but what happened was Atori went to go count the shoulders, but realized he had to be where he has to get knocked by Fujinami. Uh-huh. So he run goes to start counting the shoulders, but he goes, "Oh shit, this is the finish." He comes back, and then Fujinami and Flair pushes off Fujinami. They bonk heads. Then they do the finish with Bill Alfonso. What should have happened is. They should have done the O'Connor roll into the corner, squishing Tiger Tori. Mm-hmm. Tiger Tori comes out selling, hurt from being squished in the corner. You know, Fujinami gets the roll up, the the Connor roll, but then Flair pushes him off, and he and they then they collide. Tori and Fujinami collide there. They collide heads, you know. And then you have Afonso come in, you know, quickly. But it has to be boom, boom, boom because you can't have Afonso sitting there, right? Because he's gonna come in. It just got screwed up, and you know, like there's no way he should got bonked. Like, Tutori in a real situation, he's not in that position to get his head bonked, right? So um, it was uh, that. Was yeah, because the, they because they would never do that kind of finish in, normally in Japan, right? No, like that was more of a U.S. finish. Yeah, definitely, and it, it's interesting that. Was he the IW? I gotta look at the, the title history, but I think he still was. And and it's funny they had him get beat on US TV, yeah, or US pay per view. I thought that was interesting. You know, they really, really even back then they're really protecting of the title. But I thought that was that was interesting. I still say, even though they wanted to, they thought maybe the bigger match would have been Sting and, and Muda at the Dome, right? Because they the, the rivalry from mm-hmm. when when Muda was in the United States. I still think for if they're going to plan out a Japanese show pay-per-view and then a U.S. pay-per-view, you have to be with someone that the people know. And I think Muda should have been that guy. Instead yeah. of Fujinami. 
instead of Fujinami, yes. Well, I mean, and it goes back to that was the original Tokyo Dome first main event mm-hmm. was going to be Muda and Flair. But I can understand that in the, in, the, in Japan, it's a this was a big match, right? Because of Fujinami's legendary status, Flair's legendary status. But for, you know, if the WCW is thinking ahead too, like, hey, we got to sell tickets for St. Petersburg. You know, they, people know Muda. They don't know Fujinami. They could have gone that route. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's an interesting thing to kind of... Uh to kind of go back and think about. So the uh, the next week we will talk about the aftermath of this match. Uh, I I want to watch the Clash of the Champions that happens and, and talk a little bit about Flair and beautiful Bobby. Um, and then you know I'll I'll, I'll probably you know we'll, we'll kind of get into because uh, they're really teasing Lex and and, and Flair, or they're teasing Great American Bash, but it's going to be Lex and Flair, and this is when you know Flair's going to finally lose the title to Lex, and this is when all the chaos ensues, and we all know what happens, and Lex actually beats uh, Barry Windham instead, uh, and Great American Bash becomes one of the single worst pay-per-views of all time. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that stuff next week. Uh, and it is quite the interesting story. Uh, we won't tell the whole thing through WWF and where he gets to WWF. Cause we'll save that when we talk about the Randy Savage match from WrestleMania. But, uh, but we'll take, we'll take a little bit of a break from this, this story time, this, this timeline when we, uh, for the next, next month for March, but, but we'll, we'll get back into it, uh, soon thereafter. But uh, yeah, so um, anything else before we get out of here? Nope, no, that's it. Um, it was fun to go back and watch this show. I didn't watch everything because I'm not, not like waste my time with Big Josh and Black Bart. And, <laughs> but it was just fun. And I'm looking forward to actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to watch that whole clash next time uh, for the next next week. Because uh, I remember liking that clash a lot. There's a lot of fun matches on there. And I mean, the, the match, like on paper, that thing is like ridiculous for a Clash of the Champions show. But you're going to be disappointed one of them, for sure. If you, I mean, if you remember what happens with one of the matches. I sort of remember this show being not as good as, as I was hoping it was going to be. Yes, yes. Even the Bobby Eaton Flair match, I remember being really disappointed in it, too. Because so. wasn't it rushed? Yeah, the whole well, because Dusty was putting everyone on the show. It seemed like then he's you know he's trying to introduce new acts and and I get it. And I thought they did a creative job on that clash. We'll talk about it next week, but how they did some of the act stuff. But you know, there's certain matches that didn't need to be on the clash. Just like like again, Dan Spivey again doesn't need to be on. <laughs> Big Josh versus Dan Spivey doesn't need to be on this show. I'm sorry. Well, now I can't wait. I might throw it on tomorrow at some time. Yeah. All right. So, oh, but maybe as I'm seat filling at SmackDown, if it's oh, boring, Jesus. I'll throw it on. <laughs> then they'll uh, kick me I out. I hope they show up. Just a, just a close-up of you just enjoying yourself. <laughs> Popcorn in your face. Just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. This is awesome. I'm going to be excited. Bailey, is Bailey shirt on. Yeah, you've got to wear this. <laughs> Catching a pancake from New Day or something. Yeah, the, but then uh, the, they won't know that I haven't watched SmackDown in like months and months and months. So I don't, you forget not they throw the hits in your face. But, oh, <laughs> exactly, man. exactly. I'm not current with all my stuff. All right, so so uh, so that's it for this week. Uh, I want to thank Josh Nason for jumping on. So for Josh, for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.